Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. All gene-based vaccines, independent of manufacturers, produce the same result in the vaccinees. He has looked at 15. In the last four days, the number has been increased to 70 individuals who died after vaccination. These were people who died at home, at work, in the car, doing their sports, etc., etc., etc. There's no question now anymore about what is going on. And the answer is, in the organs of these people, in 90%, he found clear evidence for autoimmune self-attack by killer lymphocytes on the tissues. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, May 18th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on, isn't there? Well, I decided we're going to do an entire show today. Good, long, full show. We're going to discuss RFK's interview with Crystal Ball. We're going to talk about the Durham report. Oh, I'm kidding. We're going to talk about important things today. <laughs> no, I'm actually kidding. Those, there's plenty of things we could talk about on those both those topics that are very important. But it's interesting how these things seem to consume the discussion when there's so much going on that we could talk about. I want to point out today in general that there's, you know, if, it, it's important these days, especially with what I've been talking about. I've, I've had a lot of really important meetings lately with some other groups and, you know, really trying to beef up what we're going to be doing in the future. But I just want to, again, sh- make sure people realize the, the value that is here at The Last American Vagabond for all that we are. I mean, it's, and it's not just the daily wrap up, all the different the writers and the interviewers and the different research and all the different work. But just realize that there's so much going on out there and that we dedicate ourselves to trying to cover everything objectively that we think is important. And, and often that's not even what the audience thinks is important. And that's not necessarily to say that we know better, but more so just to say that we stand by what we believe is right and, and don't get cowed or driven by anything other than our d- desire to be accurate. And so there's a lot to talk about that we're going to get into. And we do a lot of independent research on different topics. A few of those things we're going to get into today. And I'm talking about both what I'm doing as well as the rest of the people on the, on the Last American Vagabond. And as somebody's mentioning in the chat as we're going and having trouble keeping up with our work. And what's funny you say that is that from my perspective, I take a day off and I'm like, man, I'm so far behind and there's so much to talk about. And, you know, I just wonder how much of this gets lost on people. And, there, and there's and there's so much manipulation going on today as as I've, I've talking with our team in the background. It's very I've met I've mentioned this more than once on the show and I don't understand as far even from their perspective. They can't seem to find anything that makes sense or we can pinpoint. But as our reach continues to exponentially grow on every platform, on everything we have. We are increasing, we are growing, our followers, our reach, our views on everything. Yet the website continues to decline. Like, again, 
I guess exponentially would be go down too. But you know, just continual like day by day by day by day just continues to go down. I don't know how that makes sense. Other than I'm beginning to continue continuing to see on all these platforms the kind of suppression that we've been seeing, and it's just kind of been teeter tottering, and now it seems to be kicking right back into gear on Twitter as well. So, just on that note, it's important to continue to support the independent media out there for the very reasons we're discussing. The idea that we are being suppressed—it's not a fair and level playing field. As every single person that was 30 seconds ago diminishing the independent media as fringe and not worth your time is now desperately trying to carve out their corner of what we've built over the last decade. <clears throat> so remember that. And it doesn't mean you should ignore these people. I think there's all sorts of good people entering the field, rather people that can occasionally give you good information entering the field and question it all, look at it all, come to your own conclusions. But the interesting part is that there's so many people out there that are making a career based on giving you surface level information, tapping into the division. And it's entertaining. I'll tell you, I, I, I look at it too. I watch these things. I mean, I, there, in regard to like, for instance, the interview with Crystal Ball, there's a lot of interesting points that could be made there. Valid points that are worth discussing, as well as the fact that RFK said a lot of things I very, very much agree with. Even his discussion about the, the climate change part of it, which there's a lot of stuff in there that I just can't go along with in regard to what he was saying at the same time, had a really good measure discussion about totalitarianism and what that, there's a lot of good stuff there. But nonetheless, there's so much more to get into that I think it just kind of ends up getting us mired in you versus them, us versus that, you know, us versus each other and just really surface level, like really the media being the story kind of information and politics, <laughs> the two least important things to me. But let's talk about a lot of stuff today. We're going to get into a lot and we're going to talk about foreign policy, Israel. We're going to talk. We're going to start off with a quick point about deep fakes and what that's going to be doing a quick, another interesting point about Turkey, some more on Ukraine and how, and really again, how all of this seems to kind of tie together a little point on the Patriot front, but the big focus today, the two main focuses is going to be, are going to be DeSantis and what they're ridiculously framing as the slate of hate. <laughs> like it's just, these people think they're so clever and it's just hilarious. And we're, but we're going to get into points on all sides of this, the discussion about how ridiculously this is being framed. And how very clearly they must knowing they must, they're knowingly misrepresenting most of this. But yet at the same time, I'll show you a point in this bill because that's what we do. We go through it and we objectively go over it and discuss anything good and anything bad, regardless of the political side. Points in there that I think are designed to go a little bit the other direction, too. And I'll show you what I mean that are concerning from from just a freedom standpoint or a surveillance standpoint or a lot of different things. And the transgender conversation, we're going to go into that and how concerning this really is and why a lot of what's going on in the bills they're discussing and freaking out about are very, very necessary and important for safety of children. But then we're going to get into NIH, of course, and that was the main picture of today. And just I was I saw this the other day and I was I was blown away by how ridiculous this is. If you haven't seen this by now, we're going to go into Monica uh, Bertignoli and her I mean. It's just almost it's almost comical. Like, I'm like, am I being fooled here? She, if you, her funding is just it's just all Pfizer. <laughs> just, and then se close second, Johnson and Johnson. And beneath that, on fourth place is AstraZeneca. I'm not making this up. And this is ridiculous. So this is the new director of the NIH who has apparently forty three million dollars in funding coming predominantly from pharma and predominantly in that Pfizer. It's, it's almost like they want us to be upset about that. Maybe they do. We're also going to talk about some interestingly 
you know, kind of a eating crow moment in a couple of ways where they're rolling back their narrative what about masks all of a sudden going, hmm, maybe the mask science doesn't add up. <laughs> like, I'm not even making that up. They're literally going, maybe we should review the science. It's like, oh, wasn't that fake news? And we're all being censored and attacked. And now you're going, let's take a objective look at it. It's, I think, meant to start to roll back the narrative to make it seem like they care and realize, look at that. It doesn't work. And now we care. Who knows how it's going to go? Or the idea that the common cold or things pri prior to all of this has translated into some sort of immunity. And now they're going, wait a minute, maybe that's what happened. It's just really sad, as well as a bunch of different articles coming out going how science has broken down. And yes, fake things can be published. Now, why do you think they're doing that? They've spent years screaming down our throats about how you can't question science and now they're coming out going maybe it is because we're winning that battle now they want to be able to go but but this that science could be fake well that's what we were saying before it's just comical in a very macabre sad way because people are being hurt but we're going to talk about an important conversation to finish the two main things really being the transgender conversation and a lot of covid conversation around first the nih but then self-assembling nanotechnology which one of those included in the conversation, which I'm interested to find out, is lipid nanoparticles. Now, not just the concept of, well, let's put it this way. You can have lipid nanoparticles that aren't necessarily self-assembling technology, but I'm seeing this discussed under the umbrella of that and how concerning it is to me how that then falls under another interesting umbrella. If I Probably the wrong terminology there, but that's the mod RNA discussion, which we've talked about a lot. And the idea that mod RNA, in fact... Overlap. The, we'll get into the conversation of what pseudouridines are, uridines, uridines, and what that means to mod RNA, and then what that means in the con conversation of lipid nanoparticles, and what all of that shows you. Now, stay tuned, because this is crazy stuff, and the reality is it's all been there. The information, and what we're now beginning to piece out from, you know, I guess the, the grudging release of information, is that one, very clearly, which most of us know, this has been an experiment. And that's not even a question. I don't think it ever really was. Investigational, experimental, those terms were used when those injections, but more than that, that we begin to find out that the entire platform concept, which again, most of you know this because we have been digging into this from the beginning, but coming together in a really clear picture of the, the platform, even the lipid nanoparticle conversation, the, the nanoparticle drug delivery system, the, the Langer-Lieber overlap, all of this, everything came together in this very un... We've heard this before. It just all came together. COVID-19, it was a big success. And the 20 years of work before it, except the interesting part about it, is that the things they put together had never come together before in the form of an injection. Not in the way we've talked about it before. So in every sense of the word, this was an experiment. And you're being tested on who chose to take this. And showing you how that then opens the door to some really concerning directions and what they could do, what they might have already done. So let's start off today with a couple of quick points, as we do, to talk about just a couple things I want you to see. One was I just recently set this up for those that, you know, want to fund The Last American Vagabond in another way and not use certain platforms you may not like to go through. Odyssey, which I just found out, I guess it's I think it's been there for a while, but they set up memberships, which is pretty cool. This is like Patreon, as I said, which is exactly like the weak-willed and intellectually challenged Patreon, but without the subjective censorship of peer-reviewed science, you know, because Patreon just loves to toe the line way back to, they still do to this point. You know, censoring Whitney and I based on the idea that AstraZeneca can cause anything. <laughs> yeah, how'd that turn out, Patreon? How, looking back, what is AstraZeneca? Are you standing by AstraZeneca's completely safe and effective? Think about how stupid that is right now. We're still censored because of that one discussion. 
This just shows you that they, they just are standing by their censorship because it was never about truth. They know that. They don't even care to ask. Patreon goes, what do you want us to do? Okay, censor, good. Because they are a line tower. If that's even the way you would say that technically because towing the line. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is that they are very clearly a problem. So us Odyssey stepping into this with memberships is, you know, one of the things we were even kind of trying to do with Super U. Like, it's better to use something like this. So if you want to sign up, here's the link. I just made a couple of arbitrary tiers. It's like everything else. It's not something that you're going to get a huge benefit for. It's really because you want to support this platform. And maybe I'll add some stuff. I mean, you know, you can look in there and you get certain badges and exclusive content if I make some and so on. But really, it's just because you believe in what we're doing. So there's another way for you. Now, on the deep fake point that I want to just kind of insert here in the beginning before we go further is really concerning. Because as you know, I've said this many times. Derek put this out recently. How can we trust our eyes and ears at this point? Days before the election, this is the Turkish election, which I was just recently doing a whole segment on. One of the best known opposition candidates pulled out after the alleged sex tape circulated on social media. He claimed his appearance in it was a result of a deep fake. Now, as far as I can tell, I haven't. The point is, I don't think these things will rest as. Like, imagine this was Trump and Biden. If if, If a tape came out, a spell just put, say, a tape came out with a Biden with some kind of sexual situation with a child. I don't think anybody's going to question that other than people that will refuse to accept it because of politics. Right. And I mean, I shouldn't even frame it like that. I, you know, my, I think my opinion's clear, but either way, the point is that one side's going to say, no, it's fake because that's not true because they don't want to believe that the other side's going to say it is true because they want to believe it. It doesn't matter where the facts lie. If Trump says, no, it's like video comes out about Trump and he says, that's fake. That's not me. All of his audience will believe that even though maybe it is real. Like, just think about the conversation of what he just went through with the trial. Like, you know, my opinion, it wouldn't surprise me at all with all the things that we've seen him talk about and say long before being president. Of course, that's possible, in my opinion, that he could have done something to that woman. But then at the same time, I know it's being politicized. And it wouldn't surprise me if she's lying or embellishing or making it up entirely. Either way, my point is, again, that it really doesn't matter about the facts, does it? We all chose a side before it ever started. So here we are with this same conversation. And as I said, I've been saying this for a while that I really can't believe this hasn't happened in the U.S. yet. Or maybe it has. And we don't even know. The real point, though, is I promise you this is coming, especially because of the weird kind of gap. This tech has been way past the point of being useful. The average person can download an app and make things on their phone that are damn near hard to tell the difference. But then take that to the level of whatever, the highest level. The point is, I played a video years ago where the guy who was supposed to be the government's person trying to figure out how to stop this was like, look, this is impossible. By the time we get to the point to where we can do figure out a way to tell whether it's fake or not, there's seven steps down the road. That was a, that was a long time ago. The point is that it's weird how this just disappeared. Now, typically what we understand is this is not some, they want you, oh, it's rogue actors and different hackers and <laughs> maybe. But where's the real motive for someone like that just to mess things up? Certainly can't happen. The truth is, it's them. It's the governments of the world that are actively using this against each other and trying to convince you of things. That's what this really is. So as I said, likely in this coming election, I'm willing to call out. I bet you we're going to see that just like we saw in Turkey. Both the use of deep fakes to hurt opponents and the denial of true videos under the guise of deep fakes. That's also going to happen. I promise you where someone's going to go, they get caught and they go, oh, wait, oh, deep fake. Maybe that's what happened in Turkey. So just keep that in mind because 
it's it's we, it's truly the age of question everything, guys. We really need to be in that position. Now, this just came out as well. AI generated disinformation poses threat of misleading voters in 2024. See, they're already setting the stage. Why wouldn't they have said this last time? I mean, I mean, I think I probably saw some kind of things floating around, but not like I've seen a lot of this recently. This is from May 14th. The technology was just as possible last time. I just I find it interesting that it's being floated now. I think we are in the stage where we're at the point where the rug's going to be pulled out. Great reset style, right? Build back better. New normal. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. And this will only lead to the chaos. That's what it feels like to me. Now, I'm not trying to scare anybody. Just realize that this is, you know, we need to see and be real and honest with ourselves about what they're capable of so we can stop it. And I believe we can do that. Now, on that same note, think of, as we're talking about misinformation and faking things and video, like, does it even matter when we have people in leadership positions and media that are acting like ridiculous children that don't even care about the facts? Right. I mean, think about that. Here's LinkedIn. It just literally banned a journalist, you know, like they've done. I was banned off that platform for things that we can prove are true today because they're ridiculous, too. And they actually stole my money when they took an entire membership fee for the year that I just paid and never gave me a refund. The point is they were wrong. They probably know they were wrong and they don't care. So they're children. But guess what they did? A childish thing again. They banned a journalist for mentioning the Durham report. Why? Because we're supposed to pretend like that's not real. Even though the reason I joked in the beginning, we've always known this. We don't even need the Durham report. to, And I mean that. We don't even need that, even though it's very important. And there's a lot of important information in there. We don't even need that to really understand or prove, which I don't use lightly, that this was a ridiculous clown show. I mean, someone like Aaron Mate has broken this thing down to the pieces. And yet I, he's still on that story, which I guess that's fantastic. I don't know. I would love to see his efforts in other things by now. But the point is that he's nailed that to the ground. I honestly think it's the platform he's with and they want to keep him on that for some reason. It's good for business. But Aaron does good work when it comes to investigative research. And I'd love to see him break off something else. But ultimately, I guess, you know, Syria and Russiagate, that's what they like him on. The point, though, is that this is an important story for because of people like Aaron. They've broken this to the ground. We know they lied. And yet somebody like Rachel Maddow has only gotten bigger. How do you explain that other than a broken? I mean, everything. They, we live in a world where, the, where we are like I, the, the tightly controlled flow of information. That's what we're talking about. They banned it. And then we got people like this ridiculous. Chi- like, what would you call this? What kind of is it, is it? Do you think this person is completely lost and actually believes this, or is he a manipulator and just lying because that's the narrative? Quite frankly, this person strikes me as a very uneducated and I'm trying to think of a word, you know, just not a lot of brain power. <laughs> I'm not trying to be insulting. I'm being very honest. When you listen to these people talk, I don't think most of these people in Congress are actually even remotely making true decisions. Not that they don't think they are or they're not that they're voting or so on. But the point is, there's much more going on. Adam Schiff for the podcast still insists Trump conspired with Russia. I mean, think about how ridiculous this is, especially coming into the next election ridiculousness. Then we're talking about 2016. They all swore up and down that Russia literally won the election for Trump. And that's OK. But the next time they say, well, Trump was stolen from. But that's not even allowed to be discussed. This is we, we live in a cartoon, as Steve likes to say. This is ridiculous. But here we are. Just I'm just going to keep saying it, though. How much you want to bet Maxine Waters is going to say the same thing? <laughs> they don't care because that's gotten them clicks. But on to more important things in the world, you know, the murdering of civilians at the behest or rather ignorance of people like this. And that's Israel 
continuing to murder people in Gaza and Palestine, occupied Palestine, Palestine, excuse me. Israel uses its civilians as human shields during its attack on Gaza. Now, Robert makes a really excellent point in this, which is that ultimately. From Palestine's perspective, or rather just from their side in general, they have really one option. They have rockets they can fire with, you know, limited examples of ones that have some sort of guidance and so on. Or rather, I'm not even sure if we can prove that they have guidance, but rather just higher levels. But some people argue so. But regardless, in the majority of their sense of what they have is just rockets with no guidance. That's all they have. They don't have the ability to carry out a ground war to invade Israel proper. They don't. Or rather, occupied Palestine. They just don't. They don't have the ability. So what they do is they, have, they can fire rockets that don't have any guidance, which means they can't target civilians as israel loves to repeat over and over they're targeting civilians and no they're not they're firing rockets with no guidance because you're murdering people and again remember the main point here is this is an occupied territory according to the un and everybody else with a conscience including all the human rights organizations that still continue to call israel an apartheid state and a supremacist location that's their words so that means under the geneva conventions if you care about the facts they have a right to armed rebellion Period. It doesn't matter who fires first. They're occupied. They have a right to fight back and fight for their territory. That's according to the Geneva Conventions and the United Nations. So if you want to rattle off another narrative, then you don't care about the facts. Or alternatively, you love to point out international law when you think it matters for what you're saying. The bottom line is this is the occupied territory, period. And now we're watching the most fascist and openly extremist government in Israel that we've, at least that I've ever seen. And now you got other groups calling the religious Zionism party exactly what they are. And yet our government continues to hide from that. The point is, what they always love to say is that they're targeting civilians. Where the reality is, Israel, their government, absolutely has the ability to invade or fight man-to-man on the ground with these people in Gaza. But they don't. What they do is they wait, they take action. They fire from a distance behind their sacred, their safe area, and then know that it is, Gaza has only one response to fire their rockets, which will then inevitably hit areas or potentially open fields if they fire at all, as I used to talk about a lot, but fire and hit civilians or rather just people that aren't the military, because guess what happens when they know this is coming? They all run back behind their areas. So what does that look like to you? On one side, you have one option. On the other side, you have Israel actively using its entire population as human shields. That's what's happening. Think about how interesting that is in, the, in the, the reverse of the narrative. Now, overall, you should read this because it's very sad to see what's ultimately happening here. And what just happened with their bombardment is, is rough. In total, 33 Palestinians were just killed and probably more to this point. Robert's going to follow up. Roughly a third of them were women and children with over 110 suffering wounds from the Israeli onslaught, 38 of whom were children. I guess we just don't care about that, right? Because they must have been combatants, according to Israel. On the other side, one Israeli was killed by a Palestinian retaliatory rocket with a number of others injured. It is expected Israel's, uh, well, that was just the argue that there might be more deaths. They just like to hide them, but they're saying one death. Among the hundreds of sites bombarded by the Israelis, and this is based off rockets that killed one person and rockets that were fired because that's the only action they have. Occupied territory, illegally occupied. It says a gag order was placed on the destruction of military sites. Among the hundreds of sites bombarded, the uh, Bet Lahalia Cemetery, an act which was condemned by Gaza's Ministry of, uh, um, I think it's Wakaf or Waf, and Islamic Affairs as, quote, a flagrant violation of the sanctity of the dead. 
94 Gazan families comprising 535 people lost their sources of livelihood in Gaza due to the recent bombings. A further 800 people were displaced with 940 buildings damaged and 15 residential blocks. Oh, residential, right? Are we pretending like this is military only? Containing over 50 apartments being completely destroyed. Where in the world are all the people screaming about Russia targeting civilians in Ukraine? I guess they don't care when it comes to this situation because they're disgusting hypocrites. And this is not debatable. You can argue that they're all terrorists and and keep spinning your lies, but the reality is undeniable and the world's beginning to see this. The The Overton window in this conversation has been broken. And as it says down here, oh, that's just the same point. So the bottom line is this is a disgusting situation. Now, the other point to make sure we understand is that in addition to being an occupied territory, which means they have the right to armed rebellion, there's an there's a very, you know, a, a, a international law that Israel and the United States just love to pretend doesn't exist called collective punishment, which both of them act in all the time. But Israel in regard to Gaza, does this routinely, which is what, and they state this. They go, well, if we get fired on, we are going to attack locations of Hamas or just alternatively between the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which makes no sense when they're pretending like one means one, one means, the point is, not only do they collectively punish those groups without even knowing where the rockets came from, but they actively, as you just saw, bomb civilian areas. And they actively talk about this the point is they want them to know this is what's going to happen if you allow this to happen like they have any control over it like that family in the corner had any control over what hamas just did so what that's called is openly and verifiably collective punishment you are punishing civilians because of what you want them to stop doing what you want you know what that is sanctions that's what they're doing in iran that's what they're doing in syria they're collectively punishing the people in hopes that they force the government to do what the u.s government wants this is what it looks like to be the freedom fighters or is this what it looks like to be whatever you want to call it the disgusting people hurting other human beings for an agenda well here's another example of something just like that the knesset in israel net netanyahu's uh, part uh, uh or rather uh, which uh, make sure i don't mispronounce or uh i always confuse the two of them yeah so knesset it's oh it's the uh somebody in the chat remind me of what netanyahu's party is called i'm blanking on it right now that Knesset just being the parliament just voted on a bill that would make it illegal to raise the Palestinian flag. And this is not the first time this has been discussed. In fact, often they just shoot or take or steal it from people on the street. But now they're legally trying to make this a problem to where you can't. So so let's pretend like this is a democracy. Well, no, Israel's government openly says on the record, this is for the, the nation state for the Jews alone. That's what they say. Make sure you guys can see that in case somebody's going to freak out and act like I'm being racist, because that's literally what they've said on the record. Netanyahu said this in a video back in 2019. Lukud, Lukud, thank you. Lukud party, thank you. I don't, for some reason, when I, I always, my mind, I'm confused, I mix these two up. But so the Knesset being their, their parliament and his party being Lukud. Anyway, the point is the parliament voted to just make it illegal to raise, or I would argue even have a Palestinian flag. And it says, this is but the first of four readings before the bill is passed, and still, it's a dangerous move, another step in the crackdown on the rights of the Palestinian people. Well, Sarah Dalla points out, in a general sense, I hope we need to understand what we're really looking at here. As the Cradle reports, over 4.5 million people killed in the post-9-11 wars. You know, for freedom and saving lives, right? Isn't that the whole argument we're sold on? 
as she says in the article, actually quoting the article, the study estimates that between 906,000 and 937,000 people have been killed as a direct result of the wars in Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, Syria, Yemen, Libya, and Somalia. Now, if you wanted to try to pretend that, well, it was in the interest of freedom and, you know, war is messy. Okay, well, then ex- then please demonstrate for me literally anywhere that a place has been better off after these wars of freedom. I'll wait. Anywhere. As you're thinking, you'll quickly realize there are none. Every single location that has been targeted for freedom and, and democracy has been left in rubble. And because it wasn't ever about any of those things, it was about creating a situation that was beneficial to their agenda and taking what they wanted. And this used to be on the surface. Department of War and then became Department of Defense because they wanted to pretend that you or they are what you want. And the point is, we want good things. They are bad things. Governments in general. But this is not hard to understand. It doesn't mean only people only killed by the U.S. weapons, but the point is this is because of wars they initiated based on lies like WMDs. She also points this out. Now, this is often just, just dismissed by lots of people. And I, I mean, to a degree, it can be subjective because, you know, you're taking a picture on a, a day that looks very bad versus a sunny day. But the bottom line is U.S. NATO democracy, she points out. And you can simply see, and this is not hard to understand, regardless of the type of picture, you see a ter- an area in Iraq that you can see before the war that was a prosperous area where suddenly it becomes a broken down, bombed, dilapidated area. Here's Libya, here's Yemen, here's Syria. Now, the point is simply that this is the reality with plenty of these these locations, that they don't exist anymore. Now, is that because of the bad guy leaders that didn't just hand over control of their territory? Well, you could certainly think of it like that. Or you could realize that this is, governments taking what they want at the expense of the people in the areas well here's an interesting overlap as well as she asks what if russia military bases were surrounding the united states what do you think would happen okay so here's u.s nato military bases now i haven't necessarily confirmed this exact location the point is they're like the in a general sense you can see that their bases are all around russia now like for instance I, i find it impossible to believe they don't have something in ukraine or belarus regardless the point is this that you know that u.s and nato military bases are surrounding russia it's not even secret they'll openly talk about this they have missiles and everything else lined up which think about if it was like this just the same thing there's no difference if they were right along the border what do you think russia would or what do you think the united states would have done a decade ago It's not that hard to understand. And if your argument always falls back on one's good guy, one's bad guy, well, then you need to go back to kindergarten because this is ridiculous. And we're beginning to see things change, just like with the Israeli conversation. Where the world, maybe they didn't see it before. Maybe they're realizing the narrative is being lost. I don't know. But now we're seeing European countries actually asking Zelensky to just end the war which is not what the U.S. government wants to be said right now. The point is they're just basically reaching out and it's being led by Poland, which is interesting, which, you know, this could be disingenuous, right? But this is, Seymour uh, uh, Hirsch is the one pointing this out. Now, just because, you know, as always, it shouldn't be that simple to just say Poland does this. That's as simple, that's not, that's as ridiculous as saying the U.S. wants that. Well, there's a, we, we know as Americans that's very divided. There's left, there's right, there's the reality. You know, everyone's different. So just realize that if Poland's doing that, it could be part of the government, it could be other groups. But the point is, we're seeing a, a lot of groups now in Europe saying it's over, man. And that's because they're, they've been losing the entire time, regardless of the garbage spun on media 
And they know that. And they are dumping in lives and money and it's out of control. And in the meantime, guess what's happening? They're stealing. They're, infl- they're, they're enriching themselves at the expense of everybody else and growing their fascist entity. It's probably exactly what they wanted, to be quite honest, the CIA and the government. But here's what we're talking about. And this is according to directly from both Reuters and the Department of Justice. Uh, this is uh, Vizvolod Kanaziv, <laughs> if I'm mispronouncing his name, who is the chief justice of Ukraine Supreme Court. You know, so an honest member of their parliament or excuse me, of their judicial system. No, he's been detained for accepting two point seven million dollars in bribes because that's what goes on in a corrupt country being led by criminals. Mark Gar- uh, Mer- Merrick Garland recently met with him, of course. Or excuse me, according to Reuters, but this one is the fact that the DOJ just met with these people, which it shouldn't surprise anybody. But the point is, from Reuters, head of Ukraine Supreme Court detained anti-corruption prosecutor. All these images of all the money. I think that's hilarious. Shouldn't surprise anybody. All that money you're sending over there to fight for Ukraine is going in people's pockets. We already talked about this in the beginning, that 30% at best from on the ground was being reported as what was actually getting there. The rest going into all sorts of people's pockets, probably on purpose. Well, Hungary now, probably for that reason, has blocked 500 million euros. Is that pounds, euros? I always forget. In in the EU, weapons funding for Ukraine after Kiev sanctions Hungary's biggest bank. Well, that makes no sense, does it? Well, the Ukraine is out of control. Zelensky or whoever's actually running things clearly think they have influence and control over everybody. Sanctioning, I mean, the point is, it's obvious that there's not, they want you to think everyone's on the same page. It's not that simple. Just like everyone's taking the injection. Nah, we're kind of realizing that wasn't exactly the case. Most of them who did got forced or scared. People are waking up to this, or rather just finally having the courage to speak up. Now, on the depleted uranium point, somebody shared this with me recently. I thought this was an important one to include before we go on to the transgender conversation. This is from 2011. This is from from The Guardian, and it looks very different back then, but this is The Guardian. Armed Forces Minister, sorry for misleading members of Parliament over depleted uranium. Huh. Huh. It's an interesting overlap as they're right now screaming that we're all wrong about how these things are perfectly safe and not dangerous and totally customary. Well, that's not exactly what they're saying, but the point is they're acting like there's no problem. They explicitly said there's no radioactivity, which I literally proved was false on the last show. But here you can listen in their own word that they knew that and lied about it. The armed forces minister has been forced to apologize over misleading statements he made regarding the legality and dangers of depleted uranium. Nick Harvey admitted that he had inadvertently misled, I love the inadvertently part, about a Ministry of Defense review that he said had been conducted. The weapons were permissible on humanitarian and environmental grounds under the Geneva Conventions. Like the same thing they want to tell you right now. Well, it subsequently emerged that the review had actually never even been done. <laughs> That's exactly what government does. Now, the only reason we know that is because somebody forced him to say that in front of a congressional meeting and they had to admit, well, I don't have it. Well, why don't you have it? It was never done. Oops. He was ordered, he has ordered that a review into the weapons legality should be carried out. Well, why do we believe that one will be carried out? The department is facing calls for the weapons to be suspended until it was completed. Guess what didn't happen? The depleted uranium is a chemically toxic and a radioactive heavy metal produced as waste by the nuclear power industry that is included in weapons because it's extremely hard metal. Well, that's what they always say, but that's not the only true part. Isn't it funny though? Wait, would you just skip past the part? Toxic and radioactive? Isn't that funny how the Guardian now tells you the exact opposite because they parrot what government says. But once the front line has moved on, 
However, and here's what we're also saying that they're also lying to you about today. It can contaminate the environment. It has been linked to health problems in civilian populations. Isn't it funny how they're literally saying otherwise today? Even though you can prove those studies exist and they have said that? The British Army fired shells containing 2.3 tons of depleted uranium during the Gulf War. Yeah, so they just, they just dumped the stuff into Iraq over and over and over and over and over. The, the Ministry of Defense made it clear it would continue to retain its depleted uranium capability and was, quote, considering options for renewing the charm so they don't care. So even at a point when they're going, we shouldn't use them because we, we lied. We're, well, we're going to keep them anyway until the report. So they don't care. Guess what didn't happen? But because the public concerns it has begun a legal review. So we're going to keep using them. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Keep taking the shots. Keep give, forcing them until we find out for sure. Right, so let's keep doing the thing we don't know because we want to make sure it's safe. Shouldn't we wait until we find... No, 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 just keep doing it because we don't know. That makes sense, right? Okay, well, let's keep using them until we get done with the legal review. The use of depleted uranium within weapons is not prohibited Prohibited under international agreements. Right, so it only matters because we're... So the point is we'll keep doing the thing we all know is dangerous because somebody over there in some international club says it's okay. Until the review concludes, our position remains unchanged. Guess what didn't happen? Now they're just lying about it. Isn't that pathetic? And it's like they think they they think you're too stupid to even look for stuff like this. They're wrong. Well, we just talked about this. If you want to go back and look, did depleted uranium explode in Ukraine? Now, as far as we can tell, as far as I can prove, at least the last time I looked into this part of it yesterday, there there oh, it was the day before yesterday. Yeah, day before yesterday. There there was no definitive evidence that that was in fact the depleted uranium. I mean, this picture itself actually adds for me one of the main parts, the idea that they it, it's incendiary, the parts that burn off. So that looks very interesting. But the main point was, is it dangerous? And the obvious was yes. I, I looked at the studies, their own studies, PubMed, peer-reviewed science going back years about depleted uranium and what it can do to the environment, what it can do, and the radioactivity that they said is definitely there and even had a metric on what you're allowed to be around. But yet today, apparently they just missed that. Or, as always, they're lying to you because everything's dishonest. Now, in the same conversation, talking about Ukraine, there's a couple of points I wanted you to see. In the same point, this overlaps with a couple of points on the Patriot front, and then we'll get into the transgender conversation, which, interestingly, does overlap. Because it's not hard to see how they're acting like Nazis are threatening transgender people. I mean, it's like they just can't even think of a way to connect them. So they're just like, well, have the Patriot Front threaten trans people. Hey, it all works out. It's just it's so clumsy to me. But Johnny Miller, who is doing good work in Ukraine, along with a lot of other people that never get talked about in any media, even barely, even like quasi independent, seems like nobody talks about the Patrick Lancasters and Eva Bartlett's and and uh, Wyatt Reed's and Johnny Miller. Nobody in those fields. There's a lot of independents that are absolutely doing great work on this. But he says the whole world is under threat. It's World War III, and we should all realize that. That's what a soldier has to say in Donbass. Now, I don't know if I agree with that, but I definitely feel that it's on, that could, we're teetering on the edge anytime things like this are happening. Our interview was cut short as an RPG hit their position, but here's a thread on a couple of people he talked to. There's only one clip that I wanted to show you, but please make sure you look through this. There's so many clips like this. It, this is the, the frustrating part about this, is that you have an endless amount of people on the record like this from all sorts of media. And then you've got very controlled releases from like the Guardian and, and different groups like that, that that quote people they talk to. Now, sure, I'm not, I'm not saying I know for sure that those are made up or that the person is lying to them and they don't know any better or don't care. But how much can you ignore like this? 
from independents on the ground showing you that. And then you just have what they say versus all of this evidence. Or on top of that, all the endless amounts of times we can prove that they've been caught lying about the ghost of Kiev or raping. So, I mean, it's unreal. 90% of what they've been saying, I can prove to you was false. Or the idea of the, like, let's not forget the big ones, the Bucha, the massacre that we can prove was carried out by the Ukrainian military or the train station that we can prove based on mathematical certainty that the, the rocket came for, or the, the missile came from their territory or the false flag where they tried to blame Russia for the missile that landed in Poland and they just pretended and Zelensky seemingly never went back on that. It's very ridiculous. But here it says, to understand a conflict is necessary, essential to cover both sides. To my knowledge, only Al Jazeera Arabic has had regular correspondence in Kiev and Donetsk. For those who only get their Ukrainian voice, here's the Donetsk perspective. Uh, and it says, um, at the at the aid drop near the front line. Let's see what she says. So it's it's pretty clear. Oh, here it says. I don't. She says I don't consider the U.S. to be human. Sorry. They start war everywhere, right? And this is not unique, guys. I mean, the people in Donbass, no, because they have been at the, the, the they've been suffering at the the under the thumb of that empire for a long time. Look at Eva Bartlett's work on this. It's very, very sad. And they just lie about it. And so the point is, you can find this pretty much everywhere. Then the one that I wanted to play for you here is in a, a woman that he's in the car with. And what she's talking about is, you know, and, and this is a, this is a Ukrainian. Right. So and she, you have Russian and, and, and then Ukrainian people in Donbass who he's talking to and then soldiers on the side of the Ukrainian fight in Donbass. And then you, he talks to Ukrainians from the Ukrainian side. And this is his point from Kiev and different locations. And here's what she has to say. Yes, it's a civil war. Can you imagine? I am ethnic Ukrainian. Andrei is also ethnic Ukrainian, but I am still with Ukrainian passport. And I am still in the register of Ukrainian lawyers. And Andrei already received Russian passport. So explain that. I mean, you're, you're Ukrainian, but yes. you're, you're here in Donetsk delivering yes. aid to people. I am strictly against corrupted regime, colonial regime, which is now in Kiev. It's very simple. Why do you call it corrupted and colonial? Because they are corrupted colonial regime. They just collaborants with collective West. They are just puppets of the United States. And that's all. Because that's why I'm against them. I'm strictly against them. They use my nation just to kill it is the fighting with Russians and nothing else. Yeah. Andrei and a lot of passports, Ukrainian passport, passport of Donetsk People's Republic and Russian passport. So so think about what that means, right? For what the, what the corporate media wants you to think is that Russia and, and Putin are killing everybody, that they don't let all the Ukrainians, they're all trying to wipe them off the map because they're 
what, Nazis? Or how does that even make sense? Like, their narrative is ridiculous. But here's the point, is that you can prove. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that there's not Russian soldiers that have not committed crimes, or that there's not Russian soldiers that, like, double negatives get tricky. (laughs) The point is, I'm sure there are Russian soldiers that have committed crimes. I feel like, actually, in fact, we just recently went over some of them. They, that is what happens in war. Human beings can be weak and they can act how whatever the people in war, they know they can get away with it. That happens on all sides of war. But what we can see very clearly is one side of this is actually driving with a like it's an ethnic cleansing campaign. They're open about this. We've shown you their own discussions about this, about how they think the people in Donbass are superfluous. In fact, they need to be exterminated. I mean, that here, I'll, just, I'll play it since we have it right here. This is a Ukrainian journalist in 2014 talking about this. От ви спитали, як так може бути? Так може бути тому, що Донбас взагалі регіон, який, ну, це не просто депресивний регіон, розумієте? Там настільки великий комплекс таких грона проблем, і головніше, наприклад, тому, що там просто дика кількість абсолютно непотрібних людей. В економі, повірте, я абсолютно свідомо про це говорю. От якщо брати навіть чисто Донецьку область, там приблизно 4 мільйони населення. Що не менше мільйона півтора, там просто зайвих людей. Що хочу сказати, нам не треба розуміти Донбас, нам треба розуміти взагалі український національний інтерес. А Донбас треба просто використати як ресурс, який треба відповідно з приводу розуміння Донбасу. Мені здається, що ну в мене немає зрозуміння жодного рецепту, що тут можна зробити швидко. Але ем, найголовніше, що треба зробити е, в даний момент, е, як це там жорстоко не призвучить, є певне є певна категорія людей, яких треба просто вбити. He says it is, and, and I, as somebody pushed back and said it was out of context where I found the full video, I broke it down explicitly and said, well, clearly it wasn't out of context. He says they should be exterminated because they're not useful. You don't even have to, you don't have to make that into a racist thing as much as it clearly seems to be. You can just take him at face value. That's what he's saying. So the point is there's endless amounts of examples of them saying they want to get rid of these people. Um, and so what that's not you're not seeing examples where you have Russians who are being allowed Russians who get caught right now by these people in Ukraine are the ones being tied to lampposts, being beaten, being assaulted, being tortured. They've even had to cover that on corporate media. So an alternative, you have people in Ukraine who are going to Donbass and Russia and getting a Russian passport. How do you even possibly make sense of that? They'll just pretend like this is fake because they just if you can't accept this as real with their narrative because it breaks the narrative. Now you got three passports, and I have only one, Ukrainian. <laughs> so when people say that they stand for the Ukrainian people, people in the West saying that they are... <laughs> no, they stay just for, for should, a part... They should have a grand passport, yeah. They stay just for part of Ukrainian people. Yeah, right. Now, even if you think it's it's a justified stance, which it's ridiculously not, I'll tell you, what, I'll tell you why I think that. Even if you think you're right, you're still only representing a fraction of the people in Ukraine. You don't just get to pick the group you like and pretend like nobody else matters. That's what politics does. But what, what we're talking about here is a, a bunch of house moms and, and, and you know, pundits that don't know what they're talking about and stars in Hollywood and whatever else people acting like, we stand with Ukraine because that's the new thing of the day, right? That's the new thing I'm supposed to support today. And and it, and they just they jump in and act like you're a bad person for not doing it. And in the moment they have a new flag to put up, they'll forget about this. They'll never look back because they're ridiculous. But the point is that it's not the reality. It's not the reality on the ground. It's not even the full picture. And yet they shout at people because you don't understand, because you don't trust what they're being told is the full picture. And not only Ukrainian. You can't even imagine how many ethnic Russians now on the side of Nazis. And that's very interesting. 
Right. So what she's saying is that there's ethnic Russians on the side of the Nazi groups fighting in Ukraine, which doesn't surprise me at all, because there is like we've said in the beginning that in either locations, there are examples of these extremist groups. They're in the United States, they're in Russia, they're in Ukraine, they're everywhere. So it's interesting to see that seemingly at least what she's saying is these extremists went to where the extremists are, which doesn't surprise me at all. Kiev, it's terrible. It's a real civil war. It doesn't matter what's your ethnic origin. It just matters on what place you are, on what side. Are you for Russia and against Nazis or you are collective West and for Nazis ah, and nothing else? Interesting. A collectivist seems an interesting point, right? With all that's happening. So they seem to see the bigger picture too. Now there's more you could watch here. Donbass kindergarten teacher explains the war to her young students. Schools are closed as they're targeted by shelling, right? This is Donbass guys. That's Ukrainian military directly, targetedly bombing schools, hospitals, apartments, journalists. Without question, you can prove this. That's how, that's why I get so disgusted by the corporate media stooges that know it. At some level, some of them know that they're lying. And that makes me sick. Now, at the same time, this is the kind of absurdities we see. Like with from people like this, these kind of mindless people that push, and I'm going for the podcast, I'm looking back at Adam Schiff. The point is you have stuff like this. Oops, went too far. This is the current level of Western journalism. It's just sad. Ominous, it says. Vladimir Putin pictured with nuke briefcase moments before declaring real war with West. I mean, it's just so sad how they have to grasp at straws. So the first of all, what do you want to see what he had? A briefcase. He had a black briefcase. So let's call that a nuke bag because it's black. I mean, it, I mean it's certainly possible. Anything could be in that bag. It could also be an alien in there. Who knows? Let's call it an alien bag. It's just stupid. It's because they want to grab you. And this is what propaganda looks like. But what it shows you is how bad they've become or like really i mean what would you maybe how dumb they think you are i just i can't it just makes no sense to me but then the idea of saying he declares real war what he's really saying as we've talked about before and i'd love to just take the two words real war and you read what he's talking about or read what he says the point is that they're at this they're in this position because of the actions of the west because they're giving the Ukrainian fascists long-term, long-range missiles. Because they're giving them access to NATO. All the things that were supposed to be red lines. And instead of just becoming an effort, and I'm not saying I'm blindly taking this at face value, this is what they're saying, because they're more than taking an effort to remove the Nazis and whatever you think they're doing that he said, now it's becoming a real war because they're, they're positioning this as something that has to, they can't just back away and leave these people that are actively trying to murder everyone in Donbass. It makes it, it's ridiculous. And of course, just simply stating that obvious reality in some people's minds makes you pro-Russia. And that just shows you how binary and childish all of this is. And I'm sure they probably think that that's a nuke bag. And that means he's doing nuke stuff because nukes and, and, you know, just childish stuff. It's so sad. Well, on that note, in regard to the whole lie about Russiagate, Right, which is the same kind of garbage journalism you're seeing with stuff like this. I wanted to make another point on that. The, the extension of the point they made before. This Greg Price pointing out, according to the Durham report, the plan by Hillary Clinton to create a false story linking Donald Trump to Russia was briefed in August of 2016 by CIA Director John Brennan to President Obama. VP Biden 
AG Loretta Lynch and FBA Director Comey, which makes exact that is the perfect little picture right there to make you understand why it all went down the way it did. It was all a lie. That does not mean, by the way, that there isn't some overlap with Trump and Russia or Trump in any government or any politician and foreign governments. The point is, or how about just Israel? It's funny how we don't want to talk about how obvious that is. But the overarching point, make sure you read this because there's a lot of interesting stuff in the Durham report. I would argue if you've been paying attention at all, none of this is a surprise to you. doesn't mean it's not important to have that stuff backed up, but the point is the story creating a false link between Donald Trump and Russia, which is what this is all rooted in, in my opinion. And interestingly, it goes back to, you know, the beginning of at least the administration and the idea of creating, and don't forget, Charlottesville and all of this, it's all the same agenda. The Azov movement, Operation Paper Project, Paper, excuse me, Project Aerodynamic. We've talked about all of these discussions and how it was designed to create a situation where you had a fascist entity that is blamed on Russia, that has influenced the United States. That's January 6th, while we had a Ukrainian part of the Azov movement on the ground yelling things in Russian. We just went over that in the last show. It's very, very clear. So on that note, we need to laugh at this. On, I just can't get past... I, I'm starting to ask whether they... Either they're getting really sloppy, or this is just meant to be seen, meant to be laughed at, or maybe these are just real people and this is really stupid. I mean, it's stupid either way, in my opinion. But check this out. I genuinely, I mean, look, we know, we, we should say this first. We know, as they've admitted, that they have informants in Patriot Front. But then we also know that Patriot Front, as we just recently covered, is directly tied to the Azov movement. Unquestionably. Same people at the top, same leadership, same groups, same ties back to the Charlottesville march and everything. It is the exact same conversation. They broke off from Vanguard America with what, 70, 80% of the group. Vanguard America was the primary group along Rise Above Movement that were at the Charlottesville march. All of them are tied directly back to the Azov movement and the entire operation. It's, it's not even up for debate. So as Ashley Simon points out, FBI Patriot Front caught on camera praising Hitler. So this it should be caught on camera in quotes, in my opinion. So when this looks this clumsy and stupid, like they act like, whoops, we're done. We're not on camera anymore. Heil Hitler. <laughs> this is just desperate, in my opinion, to make us think that this is what all conservatives are, that it's all Hitler supporting, and that we have to be careful about the rising white supremacy threat. It's really this bad. Watch this. Life, liberty, victory. Life, liberty, victory. Want to check it out? Damn, That's son, that take. might be a cut. That's yeah. a good take right there. Seek fucking high. Let's fucking go. We're fucking <laughs> now that it's over. Here's... I wanted to have my finger. Yeah, but they, but we'll make sure and leave the masks on, though. Make sure we keep the masks on while we pretend we're done with the film. Of course that makes sense. <laughs> it's just so stupid. I mean, it just seems so ridiculous. Yeah, it, like so if, so if they were doing that, why wouldn't they do that on camera? Because they clearly do that publicly anyway, so it's just so stupid. And of course, they're trying to model this with the flags behind them and the things they say as being, you know, pro-America being bad, right? You can't be pro-America anymore. Otherwise, you're a Nazi, except they're literally arming the Nazis in Ukraine. You, this is a com This is a sitcom. I mean, it's really bad. Here's another one. <laughs> I mean, this is. This might as actually be something like this feels like something you'd watch on a, on a parody of reality. Left foot, touching the ground. And you guys listen to the boots. You can hear it. Once you get in touch, you can hear it. Oh, 
Why would they have their masks on? Wow. With one guy who just seemingly has no rhythm whatsoever. Just can't even wrap his mind around how <laughs> it's just it's so funny. Some people are just like that. just have no rhythm whatsoever. But last point is the absurdity of all of this stuff, guys. Everything is ridiculous. As Charlie Robinson said when he tweeted this out, we, we are not a serious nation. <laughs> now, I, take, I, I would argue that we are a serious country, which I know he would agree with. It's the government that we pretend is conflated is the country it's not they're just they're supposed to just be people that work on behalf of the country which is you the americans that we pretend to actually vote people into power the sad part about this is this is a real person who is je- who is in a position of power right now right alongside biden who can't tie his own shoes and here he is mumbling through a long effort to try to make some sem- some sense and look this just makes me sad like this guy is being used and it and it really does break my heart because clearly this guy is struggling. He clearly can't even, his mind can't even make sense of what he's trying to put out. And it just, it's depressing. So, and yet this person gets voted in because what we're supposed to represent somebody who has a stroke and that, or whatever the story, I mean, God, my God, this is what we are today. The idea that this is supposed to be something that makes sense. And if you read the comments of people watching, yay. This is why I voted for him. Not making that up. If you haven't seen this, this is one of the most difficult things I've ever had to watch. Like, this is rough. Is it staggering? Is it a staggering responsibility that... For those listening, this is John Fetterman. It's John, right? John Fetterman? Yeah. This is him speaking or trying to speak and relay a point. And people won't even respond because you don't even know what he's trying to say. Is it a staggering responsibility that the the, the head of a bank could literally could literally crash our economy? It's astonishing. That's like if you have I mean, like and and they also realize is that 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 now they have it's in a guaranteed a guaranteed way to be saved by no again by no matter no by, by how, you know. So it's it's you know isn't it appropriate that the those kinds of this kind of control should be more stricter? Oh man! Now while there's a pause that is really hard to listen to, I like I almost have to pause because I can't stand the empty noise right there or the lack of anything. But you know, look, I have to be honest. I, quite frankly, the way even the words he's using, it's my opinion that he, whether or not he can formulate sentences, he doesn't seem like he's that bright. Now you can make that offensive if you want to. You're, it's my right to be offensive. If I don't think that's offensive, I think it's a fact. The same reason I point out KJP is not very bright, who she can't formulate her own ideas. And every time he tries, it's clumsy and it sounds ridiculous. So the point is, regardless, this is somebody who was elected. What does that tell you? What it tells me is that that's not real, that we are literally living in a situation that is revealing the fact that we are not actually in control, that the people who are actually in control are not being seen by us. They're the people behind the scenes, the international entities or the larger groups that are controlling the banking system, all these the intelligence apparatus. These people are not in control. I just I, we, I just need us to understand that, especially as we roll into the next absurd farce of an election that both sides will always try to manipulate. That doesn't actually amount to anything other than more control over our lives. This is what we're pretending is leadership in this country. prevent this kind of thing from going or should we just go on and start bailing and sailing whoever bank regardless of how how uh, there's uh, their conduct is 
you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, the Republicans want to give a, a work requirement for SNAP, you know, for a, 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 a hungry family has to, to have these this kind of penalties or these some kinds of word working uh, required. Shouldn't you have a working requirement after we sell your bank you, with billions of your bank? Because they seem to be more pre preoccupied uh, when than SNAP uh, and requirements for works for hungry people, but not about protecting the tax, the taxpayers, you know, that will bail no matter whatever does about a bank to crash it. Sure. Oh, man. God, that makes me sad. That makes me sad. I mean, really. Now, the reason I said that is just because I'm being honest. Like, if you listen to him talk, ultimately, the words and the way that, you know, maybe it's all because he had a stroke, which I did say that earlier. He he had a stroke, and that's something to consider. That's my point, though, regardless of whether that's the entire reason that's happening. Why would somebody in that position even get voted into a position of power if they can't even formulate sentences properly? That's It's just, it's insulting, and it's embarrassing. But over, But on top of that, it's just the, the reality, I think, that you can listen to the type of words being used. These people, like, it's the same point I made about KJP. Same thing, like I just said. It's just the reality. And we, and we have a right to point out these things, especially when people, when these things are being shoved down our throat. And on that exact point to get into this next conversation. And it's things like that and people like that, that distract and, just, and, and obfuscate the real conversation of things like this, the transgender discussion of how broken this is right now. How bad this is. And I'm not talking about the idea that transgender people should have the right to do what they want with their own bodies or pronouns and blah, blah, blah. What I'm talking about is children and this ridiculous idea where suddenly this became about anybody under 18. That, well, if you don't allow them to start when they're born, then suddenly you're a racist or a bigot. And there's actually people arguing that the parents can tell whether they're transgender when they're born. So you're deciding for them, apparently, and then raising them that way and then wondering why they think that. And then when they go up to be 25 and they change their mind, we don't talk about that or the fact that that's possible, which it is. Well, before we get to that, let's talk about the disgusting way this is being misrepresented. They're calling this the slate of hate, like it's some kind of, you know, making taglines for this. It's just about politics, guys. DeSantis signs transgender bathroom bill, bans gender affirming care, expands don't say gay law. Well, let's go through the reality of this. Oh, of course. Hold on. This, this is why I hate these platforms that refresh every 10 seconds because, well, and that's why I got this new highlighter because this happens all the time. Give it a second. There we go. Okay. So Ron DeSantis on Wednesday signed four bills that will, they argue, substantially alter the everyday lives of LGBTQ people. Well, actually, no. Only one of those letters, to be quite honest. But it's funny how they just broadly dump all of that in the same category, despite the fact that it seems the T of the LGBTQ discussion seems to be eating the rest of the letters right now. Seems to be attacking the other letters and what they should be doing and what they're not allowed to do. And because that makes sense. But they don't want you to know that, though. They want you to know it's a unified group and it's not the truth. On top of that, the 7% they claim that represents of the entire population, it's only less than one that's the trans part of that. But, you know, we'll, we'll just claim it all is one thing, so it's easier to push. But the point is, the only thing substantially changing are the things that were only recently forced in based on politics, not on science or facts. And so what's really going to substantially change is this very small portion of the population that has been fighting for those things. 
Ask yourself how it should be, how it's appropriate to frame it as a life altering move. If it's only been this way for a very short period of time, the vast majority of time before that, this never existed. It's, it's kind it's, it's insulting that they continue to misrepresent this for politics, but that's what these people do. All corporate media and a lot of independent quasi people. But it's saying that they, they in a state in what adv, adv, advocacy groups have condemned as a slate of hate against community. Against the in community, all of them, except it doesn't apply to all of them, but they'd love to do that. DeSantis gave final approval to legislation banning gender affirming medical care. Well, what we're talking about is not gender affirming. It is body altering genital mutilation care or rather hormonal manipulation care that's based on an opinion. That is a simple fact, because the point is maybe there's some people that know. But you can prove beyond a doubt that there are some people that wake up in their mid-30s and go, well, I made a mistake. That's all I'm saying. So if we know that, because we can show, we can, there's people on Twitter who are prominent accounts now that are people that have gone back and said, I made a mistake. Nobody in this community wants to talk about that. But so if it's 0.01%, it matters. Because there are children who are going through this that don't know what they're doing. So it's not gender affirming if some of them are wrong. Or rather, you could argue it's not at all when you're altering your gender. So it's just a it's the manipulation of the terms. Expanding a controversial state education law that limits classroom instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity. Well, no, it's simply pointing out that children who are children should not be discussing graphic sexual content. Now, even within that, they don't like to mention there is an allowance for the, ex the expected sexual education that's always been there. Just understanding the body and understanding what is called and so on. And be honest, some people don't even like that. Plenty of religious groups don't want that either. But this is about the idea that we just talked about, which we've shown you. Talking, talking with children about how to masturbate. This is not something that should be discussed with a four-year-old. Let alone somebody who is going through sex education. When they get into the idea of, of the kind of sexual activities and with the sexual positions and all the stuff that we've shown you. And then getting into even more concer concerning stuff when you get into the sex work conversations. When you're talking about with children or the idea that we're talking about that you can change your gender and you can alter yourself. And think with children that don't even understand that this is more, this is something that is not a choice. Placing additional restrictions on drag performances. Now, again, blatant misrepresentation. Same thing we just talked about. It is about adult cabaret. It is about sexual acts in front of children. So it just blows my mind that they keep trying to throw... Like, all that really means is, ultimately, they're going, oh, I see, they're trying to make it about adult cabaret because they, all, they wink, wink, only care about the drag shows. So it's, it's, they're, they're manipulating it. Okay, let's just, let's just say for sake of conversation, that's true. So that means that your alternative on the other side of it, you're willing to allow in other places adult sexual content around children just so you can have drag shows that you want to think are totally different in front of children. Let's just say they are. So you're okay with the other ones, though, just so you can keep doing your thing? How do you think that makes sense? Because the bill is about stopping all of it. But if you want to stop that bill so you can pretend it's only about drag shows, that means that adult men can strip in front of young girls because it's the same point, isn't it? But you see, that's not okay for anybody except people that want that to happen. And I'm not saying that's the same thing for all of them. Some people just believe they're fighting for the LGBT community, but they're not. This is about something different. 
Florida Senate Bill 254, the gender-affirming health care ban. Let's look at it. Will prevent transgender minors. You already got me. Right there. Done. Minors should not be involved in this conversation. The idea that they pretend that somebody who's a minor who can't drive a car, smoke a cigarette, join the military, can somehow consent to a dangerous injection or dangerous body-altering care when their child they're lying to themselves and to everybody else. And the reality is that nobody who is a child, especially that are four, five, six, seven years old, should not even be in conversations about what they should be doing sexually. Because inherently, the idea of changing your sex is about sexual activity. Because you're talking about your sex. You're talking about your sexual, in, the prep, uh, uh, what's the right term? I just you, I don't want to blanket on the term, the term that they've used before. But the idea being that if you're talking about a child going through this transition, well, inherent within that conversation is who your sexual partners will be. And so the idea being is you're talking about this with young kids who haven't even begun to wrap their mind around what those things mean. That's disgusting and inappropriate. Even if you think they are actually trans, the point is that is something that should not be happening. But their argument then goes, well, we need to give them the treatment early. Otherwise, it'll it's harder for them. Okay, but how do you know that's what they truly are? And there's plenty that argue that's not even something that should be happening at all. But it will prevent them from accessing puberty blockers. Good. Hormone replacing therapy and surgeries. Good. None of that should even be on the table. Transgender adults under the new law, will is, which is effectively immediately, will be required to clear several additional regulatory hurdles to receive gender-affirming care in Florida. Now, I didn't actually find, I was looking through this, and I didn't find that. But ultimately, the point being is that these things need to be there needs to be more between somebody waking up one day and making this decision. I mean, for crying out loud, you give people a, a delay on getting a gun, but you're going to allow people to just walk into taking something that they can't take back with when there's so much political momentum behind this. It's just bad. Speaking before an audience of supporters and conservative lawmakers, DeSantis said gender-affirming medical care is rooted in neither science nor evidence and is supported by only a small group of ideologically charged people within the medical community. I 100% agree with that. Most major medical organizations, according to The Hill, including the AMA and the American Academy of Pediatrics, say otherwise. Well, let's take a quick, brief moment to think about what they said and didn't say during the entirety of the COVID-19 illusion. So why would we trust what they're saying? Now, I'm not saying that, that means that we should deny it or dismiss it, consider it, but realize that the American Academy of Pediatrics, they still say these shots are safe. They still say masks are helping people. They're ridiculous. And the AMA, for crying out loud, is one of the root causes behind the Flexner Report and the shifting of our entire medical industry into the style we have today away from homeopathy and the, and the real the tr medicine, as opposed to cutting things off your body and taking, taking chemicals. Right. The point is that we shouldn't take them at face value. But let's look at the bill. Tr treatments for sex reassignment. Now, it's, it's as obvious as you think it is. Bottom line. Over a child present in the state. Oh, actually, that's the that's the first part. I, just, I thought this was concerning. Let's since I started, let's read the second part first. What it says is prohibiting sex reassignment prescriptions and procedures. So the drugs and the surgeries for people under 18. I just don't even know why that's contentious other than there's an agenda behind this. Requiring the department to immediately suspend the license of a healthcare practitioner who is arrested for committing or attempting, soliciting, or conspiring to commit those kind of acts. Good. Now, even if you disagree with it, it's like any other law. Why would you, why would you allow the, the doctor out to be accountable for something that's against the law? 
It's the same game they play elsewhere. They pretend, well, if it's a law they like, well, then vote and take action politically because that's how it works. But then the law happens here and they're outraged and the law doesn't count because we disagree with it. So we should circumvent it because that's what heroes do. It's just it's just inherently dishonest. Right. You can't play it both ways. I trust me. I agree that that there are unjust laws. And I agree with the concept that voting or politics isn't always the way to go about these things. But what we're talking about here, in my opinion, supersedes any kind of idea of law. We're talking about the most sacred concept here, children, and protecting the weakest among us. And my point stands from the beginning. If we're talking about people that in even some ways, some cases, are making choices they then regret, we can't allow this broad stroke idea to just say, if anybody asks for it, then give it to them, which is what we're doing right now, or they're doing. And it's bottom line under 18. But one thing that concerns me here, and there's a couple points I want to make about this. This is the most minor of all of them. But that ultimately it says this grants the court, the state, temporary emergency jurisdiction over a child present in the state if the child has been subjected to this treatment. Then it says to take physical custody of the child in certain child custody enforcement proceedings. Now, look, I am... If, like, if I really had to pick right now between people that are trying to allow children to alt and mutilate their bodies based on an opinion or the Florida government, if that's only two choices on the table, I feel like I'd have to choose the government. But my God, are we really going to talk about a choice between that and a sex trafficking pipeline to children's health? I mean, that's a little extreme, but it's real. The idea that children's services, whether it's children protective services or foster care, they themselves have written articles about how that's a very rapid pipeline into things like sexual abuse and sex trafficking. It's a broken system. So it just makes me very concerned to be like, dang it. So now we're basically talking about one or the other. It's problematic to me. I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the answer is, but I, I just, those things concern me because I often look for the back doors in these things where they're using something that we know is wrong, but then opening a door to something else that I can have concerns about. And you'll see points like that as we go through this. Oh, and then here's the bill. I think I had some stuff in here that I was going to look at, but I'll leave that for you guys to read. Going forward, it says, including Florida, 18 states have enacted laws or policies that ban healthcare providers from administering gender-affirming care. I hate the term because it's just not the reality to minors. 18 states. Not, not half yet, but think about that. Think about how you can have 18 states full of people who voted, again, their lie, we will pretend that this is the living embodiment of their constituents. That's what they want you to think. But let's take their lie. Just like we talk about that in the virus conversation, arguing from within their narrative. People hate to think about how that works in other conversations, but let's do that here, right? So their argument is that these people are voted into power and they represent the people. Okay, if that's the case, doesn't it matter that 18 states full of people that voted for their, their, their politicians don't want this? Does that matter? Apparently not to the other states. Not to the, the, the very small percentage of people that are pushing this on everybody in the country. Does that matter? Like, I just don't understand why that is something that we pretend isn't there. All these people don't want this to happen, which means the families there, the people that voted for them, if that's, again, the way you look at it. So apparently they're just going, no, you have to allow this because we think so. That's the broken idea of mob rule democracy, right? It's not what we want. We should want the republic that this was designed as. Now, it says the new law, which will take effect July 1st, places additional restrictions on lessons about human sexuality through high school and requires that all school-age students are taught to abstain from sexual activity outside of marriage. Now, that's something interesting. I thought about this for a minute. I thought, okay, wait a minute. That's that. If it were anything other than uh, school-age students, then I'd say, well, that's interesting. They're talking about almost a religious kind of mindset of no sexual activity. But we're talking about under 18. 
And by law, that's supposed to mean they shouldn't be having sex with other minors, even though we all know that happens in high school. The point is, technically, that you can't really push back on that. But what the, the human sexuality part about this, I found very interesting. Education. Now, it says, define sex for Florida early learning, uh, provides requirements relating to titles and pronouns, revises provisions relating to instruction and materials for specified instruction relating to reproductive health, provides additional requirements for instruction regarding human sexuality. It provides district school boards are responsible for materials used in classrooms and libraries, revises provisions related to objections of certain materials. And it says, uh, where was that? Oh, you know, I think there was a part in this that I... I might have lost it, actually. Well, here was the one part that I wanted to point out, but I think I'm some of these refreshed on me, it looks like. But in any case, the main point for me is that what they're really talking about is maintaining a certain level of, you know, it's not about the ideology. And that's the big problem today is that these teachers and different people are acting on their own beliefs when really this should be a general, you know, the idea that they talk about, the standard teaching that everyone's taught, you know, so we're on the same page as opposed to people individually teaching about idea you know sexual ideology and and woke concepts and pronouns and all this different stuff that is is about choice even by their own admission we're talking about the fact that they should be have the right to choose it's up to them well that, that's not what we're talking about here this is about education specifically of science so in this they basically outline that no you have to teach the basics you can't get into all of that which i, I agree with it says and the new law says it's critical in keeping florida schools focused on education not indoctrination except the fact is that our entire schooling system is indoctrination. But let's pretend like just this one point is the most important for now, even though I think it actually is. The part is that it's all like that. So, you know, it's interesting how we don't want to talk about that. The department will remain focused on teaching students core subjects rather than woke gender ideology and inappropriate topics. As you can see, some of the things we've already shown you that are wildly inappropriate. But here's something that I pointed out. What was it right here? Yeah, that I think is really interesting. Teacher, this is in that same bill. It says teachers teach abstinence from sexual activity outside of marriage as the expected standard for all school age students while teaching the benefit of monogamous heterosexual marriage. Now, look, from my perspective, that, I, that's I, that's what I believe. That's my, you know, I'm from my religious perspective. But at the end of the day, that's what you could argue is a step too far in the concept of being like what this is essentially doing is arguing, and this is just me trying to go out of my way to show you the other side of this, so you understand the point is that if you're talking about in the bill that requires them not only to say that you have to you know, refrain from sexual activity, which generally the stands, but also that they teach them the benefits of specifically heterosexual marriage. Now, that there are people that aren't heterosexual. I don't think any of us disagree with that. They're gay people. So it seems a little bit over the top to force into the bill that they have to specifically teach them. Like that's going to the point to where now you're teaching gay people the opposite of what they are, right? Now I guarantee plenty of people, even my audience are going to go, oh, it's, you know, the, they, this is my point though. There are people that are suddenly just revealing that they just hate or don't like people that are gay or trans. We're not just talking about drag queens here, or just talking about the sexualization of children. It is very clearly materializing in some people's minds as these people aren't okay. And I disagree with that. Even if I personally, from a religious standpoint or just a personal choice, do believe that there's something wrong and do believe that, the, that, that ultimately that there's a, you know, a lot of things I aggressively disagree with, yet they have a right to make those choices for their own body if they're an adult and not pushing on anybody else. And you don't force me to say things about, you know, bottom line. But if we're being really objective, we have to realize that that is 
over that instead of just saying no sexual activity, no, not even getting into it. Now you're pushing one of your political or ideological points into there. Right. And it's just the same thing going the other way, except, you know, one minor step versus a thousand steps in this dangerous direction. But still just have to be objective about that. That's that's the reality. Now, it says a third bill signed Wednesday by DeSantis, House Bill 1438, prohibits establishments from admitting minors to adult live performance, which includes drag shows. Again, even the way the Hill framed that, how in the world is anybody going, no, no, we can't allow that? It just blows my mind. It doesn't it just cut to the quick. It shows you exactly the point. You're fighting for adults to be sexual around children. Even if that's secondary in your mind to allowing drag queens to read books to them. It's, we're not, it's a, we went from drag queen story time to dancing nude in front of children and going, no, we have to allow that. This is ridiculous. And again, I can show you the obvious reality. And even then, which one was this? Oh, again, same. this is the same bill, actually. So this, there's two points on this. Here's the bill itself. And it says to find, suspend, or revoke the license of any public lodging establishment or public food service establishment if the establishment admits a child to an adult live performance. Try to make that something that's bigoted or something that's about drag queens. That is straight up exactly what we talked about in Tennessee. It's about adults being sexual in front of children. And I love the fact that what they're saying is good. Find them. Find the locations that are allowing this. And on top of that, they make an excellent point in this. Look, I've worked in restaurants throughout my life. Are you allowed to be in a bar after hours? It was a lot of bars just don't care. But the law, technically, at least in California, where I where I grew up, is that they will not allow a child inside of a bar after a certain hour, let alone at the bar, let alone be served alcohol, right? So the point is, here we have Division of Alcohol, Beverages, and Tobacco of the Department of Business and Professional Regulation is given full power and authority to revoke or suspend the license of any person issued under the beverage law when it is determined or found by the division upon sufficient case appearing that he or she is maintaining a licensed premises that admits a child to an adult live performance, prohibiting a person from knowingly admitting a child to an adult performance, period. It's as simple as it could possibly be. And the point, the reason I like that they're using the division of alcohol and beverages is because that's a kind of a standing thing in a bar. That children, it's not appropriate for children to be in a bar after hours. But yet it's okay for them to be in a strip club late at night or another kind of situation where they're dancing and stuffing bills on their G-string. It's just sad that anybody pretended this was okay. Or that some mothers unknowingly, or rather willfully ignorant, allowed themselves to pretend that was normal. Well, here is the point from the Hill saying the same thing about Tennessee from, from March. Tennessee enacts first law restricting drag shows. Not true. You're a liar because the bill very clearly says the same thing. The bill creates an offense for a person who engages in adult cabaret on a public property or a location where an adult cabaret performance could be viewed by a child. Now, I love see the part is te- Florida takes it a step further. The, the, the establishment will get fined and possibly lose their license if they allow it. Good. Because this is wrong. No matter how you spin this. We're not sitting in a library reading a book. And even then, if you're in a library reading a book and you're acting sexual, that's a problem. And I think that falls into the same category. But this is, and that's what I think the Tennessee one was more specifically aimed at. Doesn't matter where you are. If you're doing this and a child's around it, you're in trouble. As you should be. It's crazy to me. Now it says Florida is the second state after Tennessee to enact a law explicitly targeting drag performances. Like, you guys are liars. Like you even wrote in this very article that was not the exact case, but yet you explicitly, no, 
if you're going to if you're going to use the word explicitly target or the term, then show me where it says drag queens anywhere in these bills. You know, it doesn't say that. So they're lying to you because they're liars. It's about politics. That's sad and pathetic. A federal judge last month blocked the Tennessee law from taking effect, saying it was likely vague and overly broad in restriction of speech. That judge shouldn't have a job. This is as specific as it gets. No adult cabaret around children. Explain for me where that's broad. The only reason it's broad is because in your mind, you're contorting that into this is only about drag queens. That's crazy. And it shows you that this bleeds into even the judicial situation here. That's very sad. And finally, this is the one about facility requirements based on sex. This one is 1521. This is provides requirements for exclusive use of restrooms and changing facilities by gender. Good. We're having overwhelming reports about people getting confronted, molested. People, there's video that we just talked about the video of a person who is literally masturbating in the in the mirror, dressed up like a woman, in front of other women coming in behind him. So my point is the same. I don't care if that's one in a million, it's possible. So this this is the wrong thing to do. It prohibits willfully entering restrooms or changing facilities designated for the opposite sex and refusing to depart when asked to do so. Provides requirements for exclusive use of domestic violence centers by gender. We just pointed out one of those locations about the, the these domestic violence locations or sex abuse, you know, where they're raped or whatever, they're going for support. And because they're women, they're attacking them. Because they're old, because the people running those are women. We went over the whole story and they literally put a dead rat on their door, wrote go home turfs or whatever they're talking about. This is transgender terrorism, whatever you want to call it. Vital, more so vandalism, but it's the same concept. You're at, and they're acting out in violence because of something they perceive as a slight when in reality you're, you're hurting people that need help. When, in real, when, when you listen to the people, they're accepting all trans and women and everybody else. It's, it's just, it's getting out of control. It started out of control. Provides exception for individuals born with certain genetically or biochemically verifiably disorders of sex development. So they even put in the caveat for people that have a legitimate chemical or biological situation. You see, that's the problem is that they want it to be subjective, that I can choose, except then they argue that it's God, baby this way, or you know, just, it, every, it's contradictory in, in, its, in and of itself. Now here, Derek made a great point. Oh, well, this is the first one, actually. He makes, there's another point he's going to say here, but it says, he wrote, it makes me sad to see that a Houston Democrat choosing to cross party lines and vote in favor of raising the age for what they ridiculously call gender-affirming care to 18 gets so much vitriol. So this is, my, this is the point. This is a Democrat who decides that's not right. Now, it's interesting that they can't like what? What if she just disagrees? Are, so the the main point is always is you're not allowed to. There is no conversation. This isn't politics, or rather the the debate. Or the idea we used to pretend is the way politics were. We're not debating this and coming to a conclusion. And you know, this is you think this or you're the devil, right? You agree with me or you're a Nazi. Well, we're funding Nazis. That's not how this is supposed to work, is it? So this is a Democrat who has a who decides to vote the other way, and what happens? The party eats her alive. Everyone, and as he writes in that, look at the comments. It's disgusting. Sean Teary, my statement on voting to raise the age to uh, gender modification treatments and surgeries. 
And as you write, the responses from Houston area Democrats is crazy. And you can look for yourself. It's just click this and look at them. It's not even worth getting into. It's, it's disgusting and, and rabid. Suddenly she's a right wing conspiracy theorist because she says one thing that they don't agree with. That's, a, that's kind of the same point I often make about people in the independent media or elsewhere that allow their audiences to essentially dictate what they do. And the moment they go afoul of that, we saw that a lot with COVID, right? Where a lot of people very late tried to begin pointing out problems with the injections. and Their, their audience ate them alive and said, no, and they pulled back. That's not real, right? That's, you're not a real journalist if you're letting your own audience dictate what you're allowed to talk about. That's why we always go with what we think is right. Well, here... Baylor College of Medicine ethics professor, Claire Horner, who trains doctors working at Texas Children's Hospital, explains that parents' rights, parental rights, are the biggest hang-up that might stop them from performing sex change procedures on children. And sorry for the vault, the audio, it's terrible. Significant hang-ups or obstacles occurring in access to uh, pediatric gender-affirming care as it is, as the political climate is right now, and legal climate is right now, and how um, has this affected the medical climate? I want to go back to what I said before. I think the biggest, the biggest hang-ups are going to be um, these parental rights, the parental rights issue, especially in Texas. Um, I think it, the political climate is already kind of shifting. There's a it's hard, it's hard to listen to that. The audio is terrible. But so the point, the biggest hang up is parental rights, especially in Texas. What do you mean the biggest hang up? Like this is this is the about this is the same as them saying that, you know, that your 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 constitutional rights are, are hindering the intelligence community's ability to stop terrorism. Yeah, it's, it's so ridiculous. Remember, remember, we just talked about that with was it Elizabeth Newman, I think. She was basically saying, you know, well, you know, they're not technically breaking the law, but they've learned to just. They've learned how to operate just below it. So you're saying they're not breaking the law. Got it. So what you're asking for is to change that so we can pretend they are breaking the law. Like the idea that people are somehow like operating some, you know, white supremacists have learned how to wink, wink, say the right things and just under the radar. I'm sure that probably exists. But the absurdity of saying that that means that we should remove constitutional rights because otherwise we can't go after people that aren't currently breaking the law. It's the same thing. So let's parental rights are somehow in the way of your agenda. Think about how gross that is. That's where we are. Like, that's that's an acceptable conversation with this broken, the Overton window. That's been, just, I don't even know how to explain how that would make sense with what we're seeing today. Well, here's another one that's going to blow your mind. Children's Health Defense has put this out. This is from yesterday. New York Health Committee passes minor consent bill for STD-related vaccines. Now, there's an inter- the, the let me grab this really quickly actually what was it the WHO consent dang it there was the one I just talked about was that well we recently talked about two different conversations there's a UN and a WHO document the separate both of them are normalizing the concept yeah here's the, I'll just this I'll just include this one. It's this one is actually the other one is actually older. So this is the newer one, a U.N. document that's literally saying that children can consent with an adult. That's not a joke. That's the U.N. document arguing that children in certain circumstances can consent to an adult having sex with them. It's just disgusting and wrong. And it shows you where this is going. So here we have this conversation where they're saying, well, minors can consent to have this vaccine. So you see the overlap now with the 
apparently only with vaccines that they think are acceptable and then gender affirming care can children as young as four or five, six, whatever, that's what we're talking about, are able, to, are able to consent to taking these kind of medications, or in this case, taking an injection. Now, the way they're trying to bend this into reality is the idea that, well, you know, children can get STDs through, you know, uh, be, tra- like things that are like through pregnant, through being, you know, getting born, right? And somehow have that, or through other means that aren't sexually transmitted. Well, that's a very, very small percentage in the real picture. So what you're essentially doing is allowing children in, in the other conversation to say, OK, you can have sex with adults. And then when you get an STD, well, you can have a vaccine for it. That's that makes my skin crawl. I don't know how it's possible that people can't at least stand back and go, OK, there's obviously some dark motive behind this. On top of that, the, the reality that you're pretending a minor can consent to an injection against their parents' wishes. That didn't make sense during COVID. It doesn't make sense now. Even during COVID, they argued it was because of emergency. Well, now what? Well, guess what, guys? Well, here, let's play the video in case you didn't read it yet. This is ridiculous. Well, often know. No, that's not the one. Huh. I guess I missed it. That's interesting. Hold on one sec. Now, while I'm grabbing this, the other one, the other document was the. I'll oh, close this real quick. The other document was the U of uh, the U.N., Or was this one the UN? Let me look again. That's the UN one. So ultimately, the WHO document was from, I think, like so many years ago. But it was genuinely talking about the idea that, I mean, the same overlap, right? The idea that somehow children are can be can we can teach them sexual concepts, teach them about masturbation. It's it's wrong. And they went down from zero to four. Why in the world a four-year-old could even have a conversation or even we should be allowed to have a conversation with a four-year-old about anything sexual is beyond me. It really blows me away that that's something that people pretend is normal or makes sense. Hold on one sec. I just lost where I was. Here we are. I don't know why this isn't wanting to download now. I know I grabbed this earlier. There we go. Okay. Now this is pretty crazy. Let's watch it. <laughs> Mr. Tetson. No. Ms. Burns. No. Mr. Gandalfo. No. Mr. McKillen. No. Mr. Blumenkrantz. No. Mr. Bendett. No. Now, by the way, listen closely as this goes forward. You can hear the people outside chanting. I think that's important just to remember that you do make a difference when you're out there with things like this. They they hear them. They hear you. And that makes a difference. They know what they're doing. Mr. Gray. No. Mr. McGowan. No. All right. No, I can't see you. No. <laughs> Ms. Reyes. Yes. Ms. Kellis. Yes. Disgusting. Ms. Forrest. Yes. Ms. Raj Kumar. Yes. What? Ms. Gonzalez-Rojas. Yes. Disgusting. No comments, please. Ms. Lucas. Yes. Mr. McDonald. Yes. Mr. Rosenthal. Yes. Disgrace. Please, no comments. For you. Mr. Sayage. No. Ms. Bichat. Absolutely, yes. 
What? Absolutely, wow. yes. Quiet, please. Hear them in the background? Wow. Yes. I'm sorry, Mr. Bronstein. Yes. The illusion of democracy. Mr. Steck. Yes. Mr. Hevesy. Yes. <clears throat> Disgusting. No comments, please. Members I'm the only. king. Ms. Rosenthal. Yes. I'm going to ask you to leave if you'd say it again. Ms. Gunther. Okay? Yeah. Got you. Thank you. And Mr. Dinowitz. Yes. Ms. Collins. Yes. Of course. Bill is reported. Wow. Wow. So the, the, the point is you can hear them in enough numbers outside, which was huge. No, no, no. And they vote yes anyway. Right. So as always, the, not that necessarily that represents everybody in their community, but most. And I, I, we did a co- coverage on this a long time ago about California. Senator Pan, the maniac that he is, the sociopath, the vaccine sociopath. He's still there, still pushing vaccine mandates on children. The point is that that happened in California, too, where it was undeniable that the vast, vast, vast majority of people that both showed up and in general didn't want it to pass. And yet they passed it anyway because they don't care what you think. Same thing's happening here. As you can see, it says, the passing of this New York Bill A276B by the New York Health Committee and its proposed companion Senate version S762A has sparked controversy and raised concerns among parents. The bill, which aims to allow minors to consent to STD-related vaccines without parental knowledge or consent has drawn criticism for potential for potentially infringing on parental rights. It's, it's like this trans conversation has opened the door to somehow saying, well, it's okay that children can have sexual relationship with minors. Like that even got argued early with the, with the gay conversation. That somehow it was different because, you know, it, it isn't, there's no way you open that conversation no matter what your proclivities are. Period. A child does not understand what's happening. You are not only infringing on parental rights, you are allowing a situation where disgusting sexual predators are going to abuse the situation. It says it was strategically placed on the agenda just before Mother's Day weekend, a move believed to suppress the opposition and limit public public backlash. The point is they know you don't want this. They did it anyway. Well, here... Billboard Chris points this out. We have an example of the people teaching this or rather discussing this in a kind of open forum where they have a profit motive in pushing this as well as probably ideologically believe it. But here's what she's saying to people that are wanting to go through this, acting like it's okay, you can just come right back, even though we know that's not true. If you want breasts later, you can come back and get them. No, you can't. In fact, you can't. It's not the same thing. And he'll talk about that down here. But here's what she's saying. Here's what she's teaching children. We do know is that adolescents actually have the capacity to make a reasoned, logical decision. Oh, okay. So they have that capacity, but only in this, only in vaccines, but not cigarettes, not alcohol, not the military, but at these ones, though, because we've decided that. So you're arbitrarily picking subjects and saying they understand this one, though, because we like it. Do you think she knows that she's ridiculous or is this? I mean, do they really believe this? How is that possible? What we do know is that adolescents actually have the capacity to make a reasoned, logical decision. And here's the other thing about chest surgery. If you want breasts at a later point in your life, you can go and get them. Think about about how ridiculous that is. So, yeah, just take the surgery if you think so, and then just come back and get them back if you don't want to do it again. That's crazy. So, clearly, they're aware that people change their minds, and they don't care. 
She runs the busiest gender clinic in the United States. Dr. Johanna Olson Kennedy, Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. As he points out, not replaceable. These children will never be able to breastfeed their future babies, assuming they can even have babies. We already talked about the absurd Frankenstein, disgusting illusion that is whatever they do to make some kind of weird milk substance come out of their bodies. And it's not milk and it is wrong. I've already talked about it. Scientifically, it's not even nutritious. It's hor- It's disgusting. Just so they can pretend this makes sense. It, it, it bothers me. Now here, Dr. Johanna Olson Kennedy is also part of the discussion center screen where the president of WPATH admits that none of the boys given puberty blockers at the Tanner stage two have even been able to have an orgasm as an adult. She also previously received $5.7 million in grant money from the NIH. Look at that. To experiment on eight-year-old children, giving them cross-sex hormones. That's real. The money went to four children's hospitals, Boston Children's, Lurie Children's in Chicago, USFC, Benioff, and CHLA. Right, so NIH is paying doctors to see what happens. In addition, quote, the minimum age for cross-sex hormones cohort inclusion criteria was decreased from 13 to 8 to ensure that a potential participant who could be eligible for cross-sex hormones based on Tanner Stagling would not be excluded due to age alone. Same point. An eight-year-old. Now, look, we know that kids going through sexual changes, you know, somewhere around these time frames, more typically towards, you know, 12, 13, but it happens. It happens at different spectrums, especially today with all the hormones and crap and everybody's food. But the it's the point that I keep making. An eight-year-old. Okay, so you're asking them to decide, or even worse, I guess, just take a guess, and then just change later. Well, no, that's ridiculous. So the argument is you're pretending that they know this, like you keep saying, which is this woman says right down here. They know. They know from when they're babies. Okay, so what? They know that which which sexual gender they are. Which means that means they know what people they want to have sex with at eight years old when they're born. That's not true. They don't even understand the concept. And so what you're actually doing is asking and engaging with a child before they're even they're prepubescent and asking them to make a decision about their sexual life. Why is that not inappropriate? I just it's on the surface of this conversation. And now they're just going, oh, just move it down to eight. So they can make choices at eight. There's a whole age range there just opened up, making lots of money, if that's even the main point. Well, top experts in the world of gender medicine, if that's a real thing, think it's fine to sterilize kids because they play with opposite gender toys or try siblings' clothes on. If a girl tries to pee standing up, well, she might be transgender. That's really what they're saying in this clip and talking about, well, you know, start giving them hormones. They're transgender from the moment... A child will often know that they are transgender from the moment that they have any ability to express themselves. And how is that possible? Like, think about the idea that you think that they can understand what they're feeling. What, what when they're expressing themselves? So what, when they're four or five? That they know? How do you know they're not wrong? How do you know you're not misinterpreting what they think they're feeling? I mean, this is just ridiculous. Anybody honest can realize this is bad. And these people are either very bad people or completely taken by some obvious political agenda. Parents will often tell us this. We have parents who tell us that their kids, they knew from the minute they were born practically. How do you make sense of that? 
That's a parent making that choice based on their own personal beliefs. That's all that is. A baby is born and you're going to pretend that you can in any way discern that? Like, this is really what they want us to believe. This is just wrong. And actions like refusing to get a haircut or standing to urinate, trying to stand to urinate, refusing to stand to urinate, trying on siblings' clothing, uh, playing with the, quote, opposite gender toys, things like that. There is more and more a group of adolescents that we are seeing that really are coming to the realization that they might be trans or gender diverse a little bit later on in their life. So what we're seeing from them is that they always sort of knew something was maybe off and didn't have the understanding to know that they might be trans or have a different gender identity than the one they had been assigned. So that is a, a growing population that they are, that we are seeing and that's being recognized as being trans and able to be treated. Cool story. Well, prove it. Right? Find any way to scientifically prove that. That's what all the experts are actually coming to line up now. Show me where we're able to actually prove that's the case. Well, when you really break it down, their argument is it's up to them. Okay, well, then we're making this up. Round and round we go. No, except that's what God made. Like, their argument, if you follow the circle, it's a hamster wheel of non-logic. It just goes round and round. You can't if you're picking this and it's your decision and it's a, it's a construct. Well, then that's not real. And that you are having children who think they can just choose who are making a political decision at a time when they don't even understand what's happening. This is child abuse, period. And this woman is either. I mean, same thing. It, it, it bothers me, obviously. He says, I'm traveling on the world to expose this. You could check out his work right there. Dr. Peter McCullough spoke up about this, saying, and this is really concerning, that dozens of states have legislation banning harmful child transgender hormonal and surgical therapies, largely among kids struggling with autism, who are preyed upon by the transgender movement. It's up to us, to, up to the states to protect these vulnerable children. Well, that's an interesting overlap, right? So now we have an obvious overlap connection, direct connection between these dangerous and untested injections over the years to autism, which everyone wants to dismiss which is very clear, despite all the nonsense of people like Crystal Ball that can't even under, you know, who just take at face value a narrative and act like they understand what's going on. But that they're also then being preyed on by this other discussion. That's very concerning. Well, here's something really interesting. Here's an example of one of these people who you can check out, who is a kind of reasonably prominent person now on Twitter, who has been speaking up about the fact that they were misled. As somebody who was who was went through transgender surgery and then whatever they call it went detransitioned or whatever. I see she the person says I'm undermined. I've undermined the narrative so much in the last year that the second largest publication in America felt they needed to put out a hit piece on me. So apparently being you know transgender or back and forth is not enough, right? You say the wrong thing, they'll attack you. That's what happened. Apparently, you're not allowed to choose if you choose the wrong way. <laughs> see how that works. If it's up to you, well, she made a choice, and then made another choice, and yet that's not enough. See, it's it's you you can make the wrong choices in their pretend choice field where it's up to you. But this person says, "Who are you?" Well, that doesn't that's not dumb people. Who are you? This person says, "Who is this person though?" And this person chimes in and says, "A confused young person that took tea, I'm assuming testosterone, got top surgery, and then somehow regretted it." It's a weird way to put that. And then got brainwashed by the right-wing outrage machine. Just a very impressionable person. Okay, so think about the lack of logic here. Or the, the kind of willful omission or willful oversight. So the only part of this that's 
manipulated is when it happens after that, right? So everything else, including the thing that happened and then was reversed because it was wrong, that's not your concern. But the fact that after that, you think the right wing outrage machine got this person to talk about that and admit that it was wrong and that's their fault. Wow, that is damn, that is some mental gymnastics for you. We'll ignore the fact that it was the wrong thing for this person and that that happened to them, but we're going to pretend it's not a problem. Just a confused person. Yeah, that's exactly our point. But see, she thinks they're confused only because the right wing has been telling them that that thing was the wrong thing, not because they went back and forth before that ever happened. Think about that. Yeah, exactly. Spoken like a true gaslighter. Man. Well, here's an interesting point about the slate of hate bills that they're being framed as, as Derek makes an excellent point here. Now, again, people are going to be right along with you on certain political sides until you go and say, well, here's another here's another angle. Despite some good efforts, DeSantis, he says, is not a freedom lover. Any government agent who wants to ban your access to information is the enemy of liberty. Now, before you even look at what's going on, do you disagree with that? Does it matter what information he's trying to ban? It shouldn't, right? Isn't that the idea of book burning? Right? The idea, if you defend the speed... Okay, so we're not talking about policy. We're not talking about action. Even though that reading material can lead to action. It's the same point in any other conversation. Same thing, they they don't want you to read the things that we're talking about in regard to COVID-19. Oh, because that leads to misinformation. See how that works? We have to be open-minded and objective about this. The point is, in the same conversation, they want to ban all sorts of things. Like, oh, they want to, you know, ban all the Nazi books and whatever, because, oh, that's dangerous. Okay, well, that's still the concept of burning books, and it's not okay. Even if you realize those books are teaching very despicable concepts, right? You see the point? Even though it makes perfect logical sense, I know people will not be in line with this point, just because of politics. The point is... The measure also bans curriculums that teach identity politics. Now, what Derek is saying, now look, just my personal opinion, I 100% think that these ridiculous curriculums are dangerous. Just so that's clear. The idea of what they're teaching children is very dangerous. I don't agree with it. But from a government standpoint, and that includes the schools, you understand? Like, so what they're doing is teaching people politics as opposed to just like we're talking about. Like, that's why I agree with the bill from Florida about the sex education concept. Sex education is necessary, but not in the concept of ideology, right? Teaching things like these woke politics. And that's not just a personal opinion, right? I've made a clear line, regardless of what political side you're on. The point here is that the government is banning certain concepts. They shouldn't do that. It should be allowed to be discussed, but it needs to be something that is, uh, you know, that is put out there as an objective conversation. So they know, well, here's something people talk about. See my point? Now, this is the idea of why it's very difficult to walk the line of free speech absolutism. What Derek says is you don't have to support identity politics or critical race theory, etc. To see that the state intervening to prevent people from accessing information is not pro-liberty. Freedom stance. Now, here's the thing is this is Derek is taking a very difficult stance here, which is not going to be popular because he has integrity, because he's standing by the core policy that government should not be involved in dictating what we're able to think or read or talk about. Right. But see, the interesting line, and this is where a debate could be had, like even between Derek and myself of where get when it's a school and school information. Well, I'm not saying these schools should be allowed to teach this stuff. Right. So there's a line there. And it's okay to disagree on certain things. But the overall point he's making is something we have to we have to understand. 
What happens when it goes a little bit further? What happens when that thing I pointed out before becomes mandatory, where you have to teach them only heterosexual concepts? Well, there's a problem there. Even if I just, even if I agree with from a religious or personal standpoint, I'm able to stand back and go, well, that's not actually acting. This is the problem is that so many people, even independent, are very strongly partisan without even making that stated. And then there's very obvious partisan people that only tow certain lines. It's it's hard these days to be objective. Well, here is an example of what we're talking about in the sense of how the government and now here actually a good example of how this can extend. Now, obviously, this next part seems more in line than it is right now with the idea of transgender care and and or whatever you want to call that. And how if you don't now allow a child to do it, make its own choice, make the child's choice when it's 10, 8, 9, 6 years old, the state will step in and take it from you and the child from you because they're telling him that's what's the word they use, you know, net, absolute, like it's, it's a, a, a human right. That's how they frame it. So then when you don't allow it, you're suddenly undermining your children's human rights. It, it's absurd. But at the same time, you can see how this, let's just pretend it's not ideal identity politics, but you know, some other concept that's a right wing thing versus left wing thing. And DeSantis is saying, this is the only way it can go. And you can see how that could eventually escalate to the point to where they're going. Well, now we're going to take your child away if you teach the other thing. It goes both ways. And it's always the teeter-totter. Right now, it's very easy to see the left going out of control. But it always goes back and forth over the years. Daily Mail writes, A harrowing revelation of a mom who questioned her son's treatment for leukemia only for him to be taken away by child protection a day later. This is not okay. And this is where we're chipping away at the parental rights. And this is scary because I've talked about this a long time ago. This has been going on forever. Medical kidnapping is a very real thing where these people pretend that it's their right to step in, intervene because they disagree with your choices. Now, this is, again, one of those conversations where you could have a debate because what if the parent is doing things that I guess, you know, let's say they're going to yeah, here, you know, drink some gasoline and you'll be better, <laughs> you know, make it ridiculous. Well, that's that's child abuse. All right. Well, OK, well, who's deciding that? The state individuals like I agree that's not okay but where the line I'm not saying I know there's a conversation that should be had but in this case the problem is that the, the mother is taking into the hospital and they and she's going well I want a second opinion and that's not okay with them now I think that stems from the idea that hospitals at this point or doctors specifically are so outraged that anybody is has the you know, dares to question them even though that's the entire point of how the system's supposed to work, but we're quickly realizing that it's been turned against us a long time ago, that they go, well, guess what? You're not allowed to do that, and I'm upset about it. I'm going to take your kid. A mother has been left reeling after being told her son had leukemia, and less than 24 hours later, being informed the boy was being taken from her care. The Perth mother said her six-year-old son was removed from her home after she sought a second opinion from her cancer diagnosis. The mother was told to go to Perth Children's Hospital and while there getting tests done done that she says that she had an argumentative meeting with an oncologist. It says Michelle told the uh, the WA today that when she asked for test results, she was not even given those results and was only provided a single treatment option. You see, because in their minds now, when you're asking for results, they go, well, you don't trust me. You got to go look it up online, come do your own research. I'm not saying that's everywhere. But you know that's bled into this conversation everywhere. Suddenly, you're not even allowed to ask for other opinions. Now you're not even allowed to have informed consent anymore. What do you mean you're not going to get the test results? 
You could be wrong. I have every right to ask another doctor. Not anymore. Not in these people's minds. Quote, I said I wanted a second opinion. I wanted to explore all my options and maybe take him home for a few days before he starts any treatment. Documents from the Department of Community state the mother allowed both fluids and medication to be given to her son. So clearly she wasn't saying no. However, she then requested she be able to take him home that night and return to the hospital the following day for a bone marrow sample. And apparently that wasn't okay. Documents also claim the mother told the hospital staff that she would refuse chemotherapy and would instead seek homeopathic treatment. Now, she says that's not true. But let's let's make a clear point here. Even if that was true, there's nothing wrong with that. Chemotherapy is one of the most dangerous things that we give people under the guise that it's helpful. This is not my opinion. It's easy to look up. Now, this is, it's been a long time since I've dug into this. But last time I checked, and I have done real deep work on this, the overall, and now there's a lot of variations, pills and different styles, but when you take it all in one big picture and you break it down, it ends up being like a 2 3% success rate. It's disgusting. Now, and again, again, I haven't looked at this in a long time, but when the last time I was looking into this, my point is I guarantee there's more now than there was before, probably all sorts of pharma drugs. But at the time, the only class of pharmaceutical drugs where the doctor got a direct cut of the profit was chemotherapeutics. My point is I guarantee there's more of them now, I would argue probably, but think about that. So you now you're incentivizing doctors, like with the COVID treatments, to do these things, even though it's a very, very low success rate, because they get a profit from it. Now you can convince them it's the right thing to do. Statistically, it's not. Now you, you, know, you know how everyone thinks about cancer and they picture what cancer looks like? They're not picturing cancer. You know what they're picturing? The side effects of chemotherapy. Easy to look up. It's vomiting, fall, hair falling out. That's chemotherapy. Why in the world we would inject something that dangerous into our body for the idea that it would somehow fight cancer and only cancer is ridiculous. While you're at it, let's take some fluoride for your teeth, right? All the things they tell you are good for you. How's that working out? Glyphosate and everything else. It's all good. Let's pump dangerous radiation into our bodies. You, but, but depleted uranium is completely safe. <laughs> Guys, it's just bad and wrong. Anyway, that's, that's all my opinion. But the main point here, again, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I think it's very clear you can look this stuff up. The point is, as a mother who doesn't want to do that and maybe wants to seek some homeopathic treatments, leukemia, like, look, you may be able to argue if something was some kind of rapid escalation where they're going to die very quickly. Now, maybe there's an argument to be made that you can't just take your time. But again, I will always argue it's the parent's choice. Always. I'll take that hard stance on everything. When it comes down to the reality that a child, parents are choosing for their children at a point when then, I mean, look, we're in a situation right now where it's being forcefully shown that the government always has the choice over you. That's not okay despite there being a fuzzy line there where somehow you can see a parent that is doing something wrong. But we've always had infrastructure in place for that. Always. The only thing that's changing now is that they just don't want you to have that choice anymore. But here's the interesting part. She says on the record, we're not hippies. We weren't going to run away into a bush and give him blueberries and not accept the treatment. So it sounds to me, you know, she could be lying, but it sounds more likely that these doctors and nurses just didn't like the fact that she wasn't listening and they got into an argument. And so they tell that's what she's going to do. We know. Doesn't that sound similar to everything we heard during COVID and the way that people acted? And let's not forget, most of the people in the hospitals as nurses and doctors, again, same point we keep making, are most majority, other than the ones that got let back, are the people that are too dumb to know they were wrong during COVID or didn't care. 
That's why I argue people act like this right now. That's hor- that's hor- that's terrifying. Oh, and then one last point on this topic. Breaking news. You won't be surprised to find out. Nashville's shooter, you know, the trans shooter that they barely talk about. They're now trying to, they're, they're filing motions to stop the release of whatever they're calling the manifesto. I don't know why it makes sense that every one of these people have a manifesto, like we're out of a, some sit, uh, some TV series. It's like, come on. Like, they're like, where's the manifesto? We don't have a manifesto. Why, why do you think everybody does a crime is going to have a manifesto? Because that's how the game works. Either way, apparently there's a manifesto. And the point is they're trying to petition to stop it, which either means they really want you to see it. And when it comes out, everyone's going to look or they're going to make sure it doesn't get out, which tells you that they don't want to focus on this. In any case, it's not the same way they handle all the other ones because they're hypocrites. But speaking of hypocrites, let's jump into a conversation here about the other discussion of what children are somehow allowed to consent to, even though we know that doesn't make sense. And that's, of course, the COVID-19 in va- vaccination or rather injection conversation. But let's start with the idea of uh, Bra- I'm trying to remember her name, Tag- Bra- Bragley, the, the new NIH director. Let's start with that. Because you're not you're not going to believe maybe you've already seen it. Her conflicts of interest are unparalleled. I mean, I just can't even believe that this is what just got you. I mean, I can actually. It makes sense to me when you when you see it. But man, President Biden announces intent to nominate Dr. Monica Bertignoli as director of the National Institutes of Health. Well, guess what? RFK Jr. points out yesterday, President Biden announced that Bertagnoli as his intended nominee for the NIH. Well, guess what? From 2015, 2021, she received more than 116 grants from Pfizer, totaling $290 million. This amount made up 89% of all of her research grants. As we think about how dumb that is. Like we're not going to pretend that influences her work. Now it says, does this mean that she's personally corrupt? Not at all. Well, I mean, I, I would, we should ask that. I would also say we don't know for sure, but we should ask that. But it does mean she will probably represent the viewpoints and priorities of the pharmaceutical industry. industry. Well, is that the same thing? I mean, we're splitting here hairs here. If she's supposed to be representing the people and instead is representing the viewpoints and priorities of the pharmaceutical industry, isn't that personally corrupt? Same same thing to me. And he says, oh, and I guess what else? The White House left the Pfizer correction out of its announcement in this nomination. Which is interesting because I, well, this is it's funny. You wrote, you wrote that. I think this was a I think they altered this. Like as a joke. Yeah, I think so. But in any case, because I don't, I, it's not in the one that I saw. I even checked the Wayback Machine. But in any case, here's the point. This is unbelievable. Oh, and by the way, this is public information. So it's no, there's no doxing going on here. You can see her, her location for her address there for her hospital or whatever. As a allopathic, you know, the wrong way, <laughs> uh, osteopathic physician. God, the hiccups are coming back all of a sudden. $43 million. $43 million. Oh, wait, actually, let me make sure that wasn't misquoted on this. Yeah, this $290 million right there. That, so wait, I'm, what am I missing here? If that was... Yeah, well, apparently there's more than I'm not seeing. But just look at this graph. Of all the people 
of all the people you're going to choose, $31 million, just at least right here, just from Pfizer. How in the world is that possible in an honest world? That there's not somebody else you could choose? Or what it shows you is you're choosing that person for a reason. Likely because Pfizer is influencing the choice. The, the revolving door is what we always see. But just beneath that, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, Genentech, Novartis Pharmaceuticals, Bayer. Oh yeah, just in case you're not confused, all of that's pharmaceutical. <laughs> Damn it. It's just ridiculous and obvious. All gene-based vaccines, independent of manufacturers, produce the same result in the vaccinees. He has looked at 15 in the last four days. The number has been increased to 70 individuals who died after vaccination. These were people who died at home, at work, in the car, doing their sports, etc., etc., etc. There's no question now anymore about what is going on. And the answer is in the organs of these people. In 90%, he found clear evidence for autoimmune self-attack by killer lymphocytes. Now I'm back. So, bottom line, the absurdity of how <laughs> just the line of Pfizer is unbelievable. But look down here. Not that you need to see any more because that's clear enough. But look at this. The, ver- the the largest grant by far, like what, like, I mean, what, what is that? That's eight times more or more than eight, nine times more than anything else you're going to look at. $18 million, $18 million from Pfizer. That's from 2021, 2021, 2021, 2020. All this is Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Johnson and Johnson. It's odd that she's getting all these grants from seemingly all the pharma companies involved with COVID-19 and then just becomes the person. Here's page two. Pfizer, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca. So seemingly she's just been nothing but COVID-related pharma companies at, like just aggressively funding what she's doing. Of course. The bottom line here is that she is now shifting. She's coming from the cancer conversation, right? She was just the director of the cancer national, was it cancer? I forget the name of the group. The leading cancer conversation. That's obviously what her primary focus has been. And now clearly we're shifting. Pfizer is shifting into a cancer direction. That's not Ben Swan just pointed that out. They're, they're, they're shifting billions of dollars into this cancer focus, which by the way, was a huge MRNA focus just before we got to COVID. So ask yourself how it makes sense that Pfizer is shifting focus, that the person being put into place is funded predominantly by Pfizer and is also focused on cancer. Does it sound like a coincidence or it sound like Pfizer making choices for what's going on? That's my opinion. Well, here are some other interesting points that you should see as their shifting narrative falls apart and they're trying to jam this into something else. Well, as this person points out, a new, new infection with common cold coronaviruses can trigger broad cross immunity. What do you know? Look at that breaking news. Thank you, Mark. He says, Tila has been saying this since 2020. I have. As I said here. It's almost like you've heard this before. (laughs) Now, here's the point I want to make before I go to the actual study stuff that I've shown many times is that, okay, what do you think I'm saying right here for the average people out there that, you know, don't know, am I, am I suggesting that I, that this is happening? Maybe, but that would be an assumption, wouldn't it? All I'm simply pointing out 
is that this has been something we've talked about before. And what I'm really saying is that this is what we talk about arguing from within their narrative, right? So they're the ones saying, trust the science. They're the ones saying, don't, that's not true. That's not true. It's fake news. These studies you've been showing aren't real. It's fake news. It's not true. I'm not saying I know for sure this exists or that this is in fact happening. What I'm saying is the science that they're telling us to trust is the science now saying, and has always been saying that it's not even, even remotely what they've been telling us that you can get the immunity from other things that the, the cross over the overlap for T cell immune, everything else is predominantly happening from natural immunity. All these conversations that they're telling us not to look at. That's all I'm trying to say. And in this case, we're saying, look, we've been pointing at this. They've been saying it was fake news. And now they're swinging back around and saying, what do you know? So my point is saying that this person says there is no immunity because there is no virus. Yeah, you, you saw that coming, right? Well, this is what I keep trying to say. That is not people that are doing this are are choosing to misrepresent what we are doing. I've been over, outspoken about the reality that I have aggressively looked into these topics. I've looked at the information people are constantly spamming underneath everything we do, even if it's not related. And I do look at these things and I have researched this and I just don't think that it's definitive. And they just don't accept that either that, that to them. That means I'm a shill now because I just anybody can see this. Well, I disagree. I see the data points and I think there's something there. I just think it's not, it's between what everybody is saying and they just can't accept that. That's not everybody. There's plenty of people that are discussing these things in an objective way and are accepting that we may have a different opinion. It's just frustrating. I genuinely think that there's an agenda around the conversation of terrain versus germ theory that is meant to sort of scare people away from considering it because of how like clumsily aggressive they are with trying to force this down people's throats. As I said, for the thousandth time, this is showing that the very people who are saying trust the science aren't even looking at their own science. To assume I mean anything else is just that, an assumption, likely based on what others are claiming I'm saying, not what I'm actually saying. Just like with the graphene conversation, plenty of others have made the point that there's something to this. I think we misunderstand the entire concept of virology based on what a lot of very, you know, people like Dr. Yeadon are now saying similar things. There's something wrong here. I can see it. But to just wholesale jump to the other side and say, these don't exist. And I just don't think that's proven to me yet. And you, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I disagree. But if you just jump into the category of these people are being paid by some kind of something because we disagree. It's, just, it's certainly possible. I will always say that. But if you can't prove that and you're now spreading that to people and saying that we're, then you're an idiot. Right? Even if it could be true, because that that's worse than me thinking there. It's, it's so overwhelming. There's so many topics like this right now that are being buried in people that just won't allow conversation, you know, just like the other side about whether vaccines work or whether they're helping people. Funny how that's very similar tactics, isn't it? Well, here's the points we've continued to make. This is from 2020. Their argument in this study was that they were they had uninfected controls and they were trying to suss out SARS-CoV-2 specific immunity. And it just turned out that people in the uninfected controls, hey, they had immunity too. How does that work out? And they researched and they said, well, it was from the common cold and from SARS and from other things before it. And I found that very interesting. Well, how can we, how can the people saying trust the science ignore that? Because it broke the narrative early on. Same with this one. A majority of uninfected adults had pre-existing ac antibody activity in 2021. Same thing. Same exact topic. They just didn't talk about it. So the only point to make there in the context that we're talking about is that they were screaming, trust the science, and they didn't care what it said. And now we see the other, the same point coming out from the other side, 
probably because that was always how it was supposed to go. But now it's because I think they want us to the, undermine the other part of this conversation. Right. Instead of acknowledging they've been lying and the whole thing fell apart, they want to kind of undermine it from the other side now. But no, it's too late. You already lost control of this. Here's another one. Same example. You're not going to believe this. Are masks effective in the protection against COVID-19? <laughs> Seriously, this is May 17th. So, oh, so now it's acceptable. <laughs> now you can go, can we question? Before it was unquestionable. It's just logic and common sense, you dangerous conspiracy theorist. Except now we have the annals of internal medicine questioning the efficacy of math. What do you know? It's almost like the political fervor is dying down and suddenly we can actually have a conversation about this. What do you know? Now, my point about this is they are now trying to create loopholes in this to be like, oh, that's why people are still getting sick. Oh, that's why. No, it's not the vaccines. That's not why, because we know that's not, that's what's happening. Now they're going, no, no, this is why. Although evidence suggests that masks could work, that's literally where they're leaving this. So we've come full circle to it's absolute common sense to go, well, there's some evidence that it could work. <laughs> There are substantial gaps, though, and it's necessary to fill them with more evidence and content. <laughs> I just can't even believe that. This is the same platform that was 30 seconds ago telling you that you were wrong for thinking otherwise. It's just you can't make this stuff up. It's it, But to you, if you've been watching this channel or paying attention to The Last American Vagabond from the beginning, you've always known this, that the science has never back. It has never been statistically significant in reducing transmission neither n95s or cloth masks or anything in between i've shown you this it's the science that they did before we got here and yet somehow the narrative overtook people's minds and we saw the same thing work it's still happening right now you've got absolute mindless fools like this ian copeland guy on twitter who's screaming people down and po po holding up observational science where people are acting as their own controls and going you're all wrong can't you tell it's just it's it's embarrassing embarrassing he's literally arguing that there's no evidence these things are even dangerous because this study i just pointed out acting like we don't have bmj and science.org and elisevir and all the other ones saying that they're a net harm immune i mean immune suppressive dysregulation of immunity he's you know just we're wrong though because of the one thing he pointed out it's embarrassing well here's Merrill nass pointing out something else dtap vaccines and how they're manipulating or i'll just let her explain it what she calls the vaccine's dirty secret now what's hilarious about this too is that now people start, start going wait a minute but what about these other ones, right? Well, is the flu vaccine? Except, well, if you start looking at the flu vaccine, you'll be terrified. It's never been effective. It's actually ridiculous how they guess every year what they think it's going to be. And then almost every year, it's barely effective. And then on top of that, it's hurting people, just like the other ones we're talking about. Now, not even remotely to the degree we're seeing with COVID-19 dangerous injections, but it's still there. Or I'll even take that back and say maybe that we don't know because of how much has been covered up. Or the fact that they obviously conflate pneumonia and flu, just like they lie about COVID. All of these huge secrets are being unraveled because of what they clumsily do with COVID. But the funny part is these larger accounts like this are going, oh, anti-vax. All of a sudden, they're questioning everything because it's easy for them to just label these things in a broad way. Because if you think, if you look at the information, it's very easy to see that they're wrong. So the point is, MMR vaccines flu vaccines, DTaP vaccines. Yeah, there's a lot to point out and it's coming too. These things will be broken down over the time because eventually the people that are, you know, scared away by the yelling, screeching of people like these Copeland people, they'll eventually come back around because it gets died down. They'll go, okay, I'll look at this stuff. And what you're going to see is stuff just like this.
the dirty secret. This is the Tdap. The two different brands are in the first two columns, Boostrix and Adacel for adults and for pregnant women. And that gives you the dose of all the different ingredients. And then in the last two columns on the right, you'll see the two brands in Fanrix and Daptacel for babies and children up to five years of age. And if you compare those two vaccines on the right to the two adult vaccines on the left, you will find that babies are given much higher doses of the antigens. A two-month-old baby is given 10 times as much diphtheria toxoid as an adult gets, three times as much pertussis toxoid, three times as much FHA, three times as much protactin. Um, I'm just comparing the Infanrix to the Boostrix. Now, those are both GSK, GlaxoSmithKline vaccines. So Glaxo knew what it was doing, twice as much tetanus toxoid. This is extraordinary. Why would you give so much more to a two-month-old than to an adult? I have opinions. The bottom line is there's just, there's literally no way to explain that. You don't, you, th- this is giving them more of the, uh, the ingredients that like the bottom line is this, it, 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 it's, it's the more you put that in, the more you'll have potential side effects. Right. And so just like we argue that it should be a less amount in regard to the co- in other injections we talk about, because they're a smaller body, a smaller child. First of all, I don't think any of these should be given to them at this point. And you, of course, someone's going to frame that as anti-vax. And yeah, maybe it is. Take Call me anti-vax. I don't care. The point is, I've made it very clear. The point is about how, if what we understand is correct, we should be questioning the intent of everything now because of the people, not necessarily the technology, but we should question that too. Because I don't. why would we take anything at face value at this point with all of the dishonesty we've seen? But the point is that you're giving them twice, three, four times as much. How do you make sense of that? What, what, you, know what, you know what I would think is that I genuinely think there's a, 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 a nefarious agenda about al- chemically altering these children. And what, what the, one of the interesting things we keep pointing out, even with COVID and plenty of others, is the, uh, I'm blanking on the term, um, the, the, the part that, uh, that messes with your hormones. And I, I, I think that's part of this personally that's my opinion but either way it doesn't even matter what my opinion is you're that's dangerous so is it is about killing things i mean i don't even know how to not make that about something severe how could you possibly pretend that that even remotely makes sense and here's an example this account you should just follow adverse reports has been pointing out a lot of just reports with links that you can look at for yourself right (laughs) and you know this is one of those points where it doesn't even matter who's running this, what it's about. If you've got data and you've got the source material, who cares where it's coming from? I mean, obviously those things matter. You should ask because you can consider it in a long term. But at the end of the day, when you're looking at the facts, it doesn't even really matter. If I just removed adverse reports account from this and looked at this and showed you that it's, it's data. The only reason I'm saying that is because I, I don't even know who runs. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you can read it for yourself. 36-year-old female, 24 hours post first dose of the mRNA injection. Developed a sore throat, painful mouth, ulcers, by uh, uh, bilateral red and itchy eyes and itchy skin lesions and started on her chest and her back and her genital area. That is after 24 hours of one dose of mRNA. Of course, it could be something else. It's always possible. But read the peer-reviewed science for yourself. This stuff is everywhere because there is something wrong. 
And on that same note, as we've talked about all the turbo cancers and everything we've seen and proven, I'll just grab that since uh, that was a great uh, post on our Substack. Turbo cancer. Doctors report two of three cancer cases are now stage four following COVID injections because there's nothing to see here. Right side Freds points out horrible news. Cancer mystery as cases rise among younger people around the world. You know, we're baffled, though. We're baffled. How many of these things do we need to see? How much of this are you going to keep trying to pretend is associated with COVID that's proven not to be associated? I mean, not in the sense that you can't have whatever you're calling, like in their narrative, COVID they're claiming can cause cancer. The point is that they're they're ruling this out, sort of like the excess death discussion in Scotland or UK. They're going, well, it's not COVID. And then going, but we're baffled (laughs) while they willfully ignore the obvious culprit. It's just unreal. This is the, the horrific byproduct of ignoring the situation. A 16-year-old lacrosse captive, Taylor Marie Woolston, died in her sleep January 1st, 2023. Quote, this is the second death of a young family member in my family in less than a week. Multiple family members dying in a short period of time after being injected. Now, we can't prove that it's because of the injection. At least I can't. But doesn't it matter that this is happening and this family's now had two random deaths of young people in less than a week? But it's totally normal, though. We're just compiling and juxtaposing them in a dishonest way, right? Again, as much as they want to pretend that we're going, we know, I've never said that. We have to be objective and say, well, we don't know. This could be something else. But at the same time, why are they so hell-bent on not even trying to find out what's going on? Because they're pretending nothing's even happening, except simultaneously going, we're baffled by the excess death but we're not going to look into it because there's nothing happening. The hamster wheel of non-logic in all of these conversations. Professor Norman Fenton points out, note that a report says experts are baffled as to what has caused the sudden spike in myocarditis in infants. We just talked about this. The cluster of myocarditis. I showed you the, the actual breakdown of the minuscule amount over the process of years. And yet we see this explosion in infants. And we're, oh, we're baffled. We're baffled. As he writes, just as they were baffled by the spike in neonatal deaths in Scotland last October, fortunately, they could they could rule out COVID vax as a possible cause, even though they didn't check the vax status of the mothers for fear it would be used to cause harm to vaccine confidence. We covered this. That's literally what they said. Now, don't forget, don't remember that people on the Internet who just read the headline. Well, it says vaccines ruled out. And they said, you're a liar. They did their due diligence and they ruled it out. No, you can read right what they said without checking whether any of the infant's mothers had received a jab. Identifying the vaccination status of the mothers, even at aggregate level, would result in harm to those individuals and others close to them through actual or perceived judgment of their vaccine decision and actually hurt vaccine information. Like, so that's, that was what they, mattered, they cared about. So we're not even going to look at whether that could be causing this huge spike in neonatal death because, you know, vaccine confidence and, you know, judgment. Can you believe they actually thought people, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody anywhere believes that. People went along with it because they're desperate to hide this or because they don't want to admit they were wrong. And then everybody else either didn't say anything or saw it and screamed. Either way, that's crazy. We're living in a time where that is just basic, basic reality. You're not even going to look because of feelings. And that's supposed to be like science. And they're standing on that right now. 
And he says, just as the experts continue to be baffled by all the excess death. Thousands more UK deaths than usual, and we don't know why. I mean, this is just painful to keep watching. And now, this is from today. WHO recommends a brand new COVID shot, I guess, to just target XBB. You know, the thing they've been forcing people to take that is about the BA1 and 2 that they've given mice and they've just extrapolated out and said, we can use it for this too, even though net harm and mostly increased risk of side effects for all of these. But now what they're going to do is just take the same thing, pump in a new genetic code and give you the same thing. Now with zero testing. You think I'm making that up? That's exactly what they keep telling us. Jay Bhattacharya makes this point right here. Before the eight mice, the 2019 FDA approval was shocking given its lack of substantial evidence of effectiveness and the complete absence of, well, controlled clinical investigations on the actual indication of interest before COVID-19, right? Now, here's where we are. He says, it's hard to overstate the harm that the CDC and the FDA have done to public confidence in vaccine safety by approving and recommending the BA45 bivalent booster on the basis of eight mice and no human study. This is despite... This specific jab, quite literally the exact jab we're talking about, the one, the, the newest BA4 or 5 bivalent garbage shot we're talking about being ruled as a net harm. Now, I recently showed this to somebody who was trying to scream that we were wrong, and they said, you dummy, that was just about mandates. You didn't even, I'm like, I, I guess they can't even read or they don't want to, because it's not. I mean, yes, the point is overall about regarding mandates. But what it says as plain as day is to prevent one hospitalization, you need to give between 30 and 40,000 children, or rather under 18, or excuse me, I take it back, young adults between 18 and 29, three mRNA shots to stop one hospitalization, which then would result in 18.5 serious adverse events, death, hospitalization, permanent disability. So explain for me how that's only about mandates. That is about reality of how these shots cause more harm than good. That is not benefit out benefits outweigh the risks. That is risks outweigh the benefits. Period. That shot is what they said. Go ahead and take it. We recommend it for pregnant women, even though none of them have tested on pregnant women. And now they're going, make it into a new one for the new XBB. The thing that was actually around and circulating while they were forcing the BA4 and 5. Remember when I talked about that? In fact, at the time, this was becoming the most prominent, if it's even real. For all we know, it's probably not. Unbelievable. You can read these for yourself. Now, here's something that you won't be surprised to hear. In the same context, same conversation, the idea of lack of testing, forceful narratives based on political agendas. Remember when we talked about the monkeypox injections, Janios and all of the arguments of the, the, the smallpox overlap and all of that? Well, I'm going to include this so you can look at the different coverage we've had where I went through these explicitly, down, went through all of the source material, all the studies, and the information about this long before COVID, into COVID, and how they were altering them. And what did I tell you? Do you remember? One of the main things we saw was, well, this looks like, in some cases, this could actually give you monkeypox. They said, that's not possible. Okay, well, I don't know if that's what's happening here. But other things we saw was that they were very dangerous, that it causes all sorts of immune problems, just like we talk about with COVID. And they said, fake news, you're misinforming, you're a liar. Well, guess what just happened? 
A new warning from the CDC about a potential risk for new cases of MPOX to surge this summer. We're coming up on Pride Week right now when there are a lot of celebrations within our populations um, that are at highest risk for getting MPOX. And we don't want to see a month-long celebration turn into a tragedy. MPOX is a viral disease that spreads through close contact. It can infect anyone. But in the 2022 outbreak, infections were mostly among men who have sex with men right now a cl- you know the outbreak of like seven people <laughs> you know the outbreak that caused an emergency that we tried to extend recently oh i actually forgot about that shoot i did have a clip of somebody i'm not gonna try to find it now dang i forgot that's what it was there's a guy that was speaking in front uh oh actually i'm gonna play this i might be able to find it hold on cluster of impox cases is being investigated in the chicago area where the cdc says there have been at least a dozen confirmed cases and one probable case reported between april 17th and may 5th all the cases were among men between the ages of 24 and 46 all had symptoms but none of the patients has been hospitalized nine of those 13 cases were among men who had received both doses of the two-dose genios impox vaccine four of the men had recently traveled to New York, New Orleans, and Mexico. We don't know how long the vaccination is going to provide immunity, nor do we know how long necessarily natural disease is going to provide immunity. Dr. Kristen England with Cleveland Clinic says it's still important for those at highest risk of MPOX to be vaccinated. For folks who have been vaccinated and still get MPOX, it is strongly suspected that the MPOX that they currently have is much less severe than it would have been if they had not gotten the vaccine. <laughs> Look at that. Look at where we are. So now it's the same stupid game. So get ready for a future of that only being the case. We never, how much you want to bet we get to a point where they go, their vaccines were never about transmission. Where are you getting that from? That's never been the case. What are you, conspiracy theorists? It's only ever been about reducing symptoms minorly. And no, you can die and it would have been even worse. Like, think about how crazy that is. Injections, or rather real vaccinations, have always been about stopping transmission. Always. The point here is that what they're now telling you, which is the important point, I did find the video, by the way, we'll come to that next, is nine of those 13 cases were among people who received both doses. How in the world are you pretending like that means anything other than these either didn't work or you gave it to them? both of which line up with exactly what we researched and found. This is unreal. And on top of that, this wasn't even necessary. Here's what this guy had to say in regard to the supposed emergency and the fact that they're pushing this in, I think it's California. Well, he'll tell you in the clip. They're pushing this still. Nobody's even talking about monkeypox this entire time. Minimal cases, difficult to spread. And yet they pushed in an emergency, which was crazy. And now even though WHO and the U.S. have kind of removed those, this location is trying to push it in for another four years. Two minutes are noted. Uh, on agenda item. F- and, and there's cussing in this earmuffs for the children. 50 to accept the CDC's $2.1 million grant to extend the emergency response to MPOX through January 31st, 2025. I'd like to remind the board of California Government Code Section 8630D, which states, quote, the governing body shall proclaim the termination of the local emergency at the earliest possible date the conditions warrant. The uh, county emergency over MPOX was declared in August of 2022. It is nine and a half months old. Nobody has thought about MPOX for three and a half months uh, when Newsom and Biden ended the state and federal emergencies over MPOX, respectively. 
now you're suggesting that you want to extend the emergency response to a virus none of us are even thinking about, and which, by the way, the WHO five days ago declared is no longer a global emergency, through January of 2025. And you want to claim that we are the ones who don't trust the science? Who are you, Nostradamus? You have a crystal ball? What science are you basing this on? That this will be an emergency two years from now. This is about the fact, this is about the pharmaceutical industry. You're all pharma's puppets. We know it's not about science. And we're not complying with any future mandates of social distancing, masks, vaccines. You can forget it. Um, Ms. Mitchell, just briefly on uh, subject of racial vaccination rates. A few months ago, you claimed I was uh, incorrect in stating that blacks had the lowest vaccination rates of any American ethnic group. That data uh, has been submitted to your office. The current uh, vaccination rates as of May 10th are blacks 51%, whites 57%, Latinos 67%. Uh, non-Hispanic, other Pacific Islanders, 72%, Asian, 74%, and American Indians slash Alaska Natives, 79%. So you can shut the fuck up about equity, lady. Absolutely. You have, rec- you have mandated one out of two black Americans who have said, I do not want to have this shit in my body. You have said to them, you will either take this pharmaceutical or I will have you fired. You all need to rehire the 68 county employees who were illegally terminated, and then all of you need to resign. You are all pharma fascists, and you are an anti-black racist, Ms. Mitchell. You got to love that. You got to love that. You know, cause you know, not like it's going to matter to them, but you know, it's good every now and again to shove it in their face and on the record that we know what you are. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, I think about how incredibly dishonest it is to try to push in an emergency for two more years. That's not even a relevant emergency to begin with. That's what all this is about. Thank this is Charlie Robin uh, from Charlie Robinson uh, with uh, macroaggressions. Uh, and we've interviewed him more than once, by the way. So check those out. I always love talking with him. And make sure you check out uh, Union of the Unwanted. He says this dude brought his flamethrower and a whole bunch of facts too. It's it's fantastic, right? But so the point is that this is not justified. So we're at a point now where it's never even been a genuine emergency, if anything. And whether that's even what this is, for all we know, this is just packaging vaccine side effects. There's an obvious, interesting overlap to these things with what the potentials are for what they can cause, but different conversation. The point is that the people who are injected with multiple doses are the ones getting sick. It's just like everything else. This It's hard not to see this as the plan at this point. Now, you can check these out so you can look at the deep research we've done of these injections. And what was this is of one you would probably laugh at. Could monkeypox be the next COVID-19 threat? What did the secret 2021 monkeypox exercise say, <laughs> which, which is real, but realize that we've gone through these in depth, looked at the background, look at where they come from. It's pretty scary. But here's an interesting point. This is the thing I was saying before about how they're now shifting over. You know, before it was like, how dare you suggest that science could be lying Fauci said, don't attack me. I am science. Right. So, okay, here we are at a point where now they're going, okay, well, now we're going to say, well, the decline of science at the FDA has become unmanageable. Now, I'm not suggesting that BMJ, BMJ has actually been very largely on the the side of the truth, I would say, in most of this. But there's plenty of stuff that's also come out on the BMJ that was very much towing the line. So because realize it's just it's just a publication for scientific literature. And a lot of this stuff, as they're telling you the truth now, can be ridiculous or this one here. Fake studies in academic journals may be more common than previously thought. Now, this is NPR. I would argue this one is much, much more about saying now we can undermine the science that we're losing, right? Now the body of science is very clearly showing you these things are hurting people. Lockdowns never work. Masks don't work. And so they're going, "Uh uh-oh, we're losing the battle. So now we can say they don't know that's but they're all fake. That's why (laughs) the ones that we point out are the real science. The ones that they point out, those are the fake ones. How do you tell? Listen to us. We'll tell you. 
It's the, it's just another way to undermine all of the stuff they're losing. They're losing the information battle. So I think it's hilarious that the same thing we were trying to say in the beginning, that, well, just because it's in a study doesn't mean that it's real. Oh, fake news is now what their argument is when they lose the It's just that sad. You think the average person can't see this? Some of them don't care. Some of them are still trying to figure it out, but it's not that hard to recognize. They stand back and they go, well, that's pretty stupid. The person that was just saying natural immunity is fake is now telling us that it's important. Like, it just, they don't miss that stuff. So mass, now we should question mass science. It's like, okay, they're, they see it. They, they see these things. But my point is, and from this, this perspective, the decline of science at the FDA has become, uh, become unmanageable. I agree with this. The point is that the FDA is a captured agency. They're lost. And this one's simply pointing out the same thing from another side of it, saying that, well, some science could be wrong. So it opens the door to be able to question it today, but only in certain cases. The point is, it's always been that way. You should have always been questioning the stuff because that's just common sense. Now, this one is where it keeps going. Oh, somebody's in the chat saying, oh, I'm not going to get to this point, point next. It'll be the, the final point for the show today. Saying that Tom Rents brought up in an interview today how they are using mod RNA and not mRNA. And he was in the comments in these videos saying T-Lab is... Well, I don't know if he mentioned it in the interview. Not that he necessarily has to. But he did basically say in the comment section that, that, I, that he thanked me for calling that out. So I appreciate that. Tom actually gave me credit for being the one to point that out. It was in the conversation about the... Uh, oh, it was with that ridiculous <laughs> weatherman who was commenting under Tom's thread about the Missouri Cattlemen's Association. And he basically tried to make fun of Tom and said, you know, it's all natural conspiracy theorist. Get a library card. And it just what a fool. And I went in there and basically was like, you're dumb. And here's the here's the obvious science that shows you mod RNA, which is not natural. And he even followed up and tried to make fun of me again. And I was like, you clearly don't even understand what you're talking about. Here's Pfizer's data. The point was Tom followed up and said, you know, hey, good, good, good on you, T Lab. That's a good point. So, I that's fantastic. I love to see that. So, it's just nice to see that it's getting more reach. And we're going to go deep on that in a second again, because we've gotten real far on the reality of that. Now, here I'll just show you this uh, that uh, Scott did a follow up on this clip from our show about this and did some more research on it. But, but we'll come back to that. We're almost there. Here we are, two days ago, the trial for the universal flu vaccine. You know, the thing that they were kind of saying was conspiracy theory, but was the plan all the time before we got here and they were failing at it. And now they push in the COVID concept and the multivalent and the bivalent and opened a door for the mRNA flu vaccine. That's what this is. The mRNA universal flu vaccine, which means it has instructions for all the different variants, not two, not three, a lot. And that's safe. Well, how's the bivalent working out? That's hurting people. Okay. So the technology is completely proven out, which is what they're saying. No, not even close. The reality is it's hurting people. And we're actually going to get into why specifically that is in one of these cases in regard to the mod RNA, lipid nanoparticle, pseudouridine discussion. But the point is, this is happening. They are now rolling this out despite what we are seeing. Because I think they're all in, guys. There's no coming back from what just happened. So they're pushing this forward. It's up to us to stop this. And I do not mean with violence. That's my opinion. Lou Rockwell points out, well, what safety studies have been done on mRNA and swine vaccines? Now, quick deviation into a food point, and then we'll come right back to this point and finish the show today on lipid nanoparticles, self-assembling nanotechnology, nanocarriers, and all that, and what this means. But 
in this, this is Lou Rockwell, but he's, he's publishing from Joseph McCall, uh, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Mercola. Those always sound very close who recently, by the way, just was covering up my interview with Catherine Austin Fitz, which is an important one about SVB and the larger picture. But the point is that we don't know very much about this. Unbeknownst to the public, pork producers in the United States have been using customizable mRNA-based injections on their herds since 2018. So think about all the dishonest shouting down of this conversation when you can now prove this has been going on for a long time. Now it says... As it turns out, the mRNA platform, which is called uh, Sequivity, is the only part of this gene-based injection technology that's been approved. Here's this stat so you can see this. Sequivity is a swine vaccine platform developed by Merck Animal Health, so we know how trustworthy Merck is, right, that uses mRNA particle technology to create customized prescription vaccines. Customized? Against strains of influenza A, virus, and swine, porcine, uh, CV, uh, PCV, rotavirus, and beyond. The platform is supported by a sophisticated dashboard that provides comprehensive. So we're talking about exactly what you think, an mRNA platform. Why is that, why is that happening without our knowledge in our food? And why would they lie about it? I think you know why. All customized mRNA injections created using this platform are untested. Easy to prove. And the initial safety testing upon which the assumed safety of all customized jabs are based was grossly inadequate. As noted by Zotus, the largest producer of veterinary drugs and vaccines, they say, quote, Sequivity has safety and efficacy studies based on the platform with a historical initial isolate. Not likely the isolate that customers would be requesting in their product, right? So when you ask for a customized version, well, they're not using what they tested on. Is this beginning to sound very similar? The same point with eight mice, the platform concept, they're quickly showing you and they've openly said they don't need safety testing because all they're doing is changing genetic sequences, which by the way, don't forget from Moderna's perspective, they never, and Pfizer for that matter, but Moderna's on the record, they never needed anything other than a sequence ever. The World Economic Forum has said that on the record. Their own trial data shows you that they, two days after they got the sequence at a time when China admitted they hadn't isolated, they never needed it. They never expect, they never wanted it, guys. This is where this direction was supposed to go. As it says, we don't even know what the tr- initial isolate was. The Sequivity platform allows customized vaccines to be created as follows in as little as eight weeks. So you reach out to them. It says a pathogen is collected, sent to the lab, whatever that is. So let's, let's assume, first of all, that they're even isolating this within eight weeks, which is highly unlikely. So you're taking an unpurified source, which is just like what we started with the COVID and whatever else, likely so we don't even know what we're talking about, if it's even there at all. A, then a gene of interest is sequenced and sent electronically to their analysts. So again, from the, pr- the standpoint of the platform and the people making them, they don't ever need anything but genetic information on a computer screen. What happens if they make a mistake? How do they check? They, they, they take the sequence and they make it. This is important. This was the clip we just played the other day. I'll play it again really quickly just so you can understand how. Oh, actually, I don't have it. Shoot, I forgot I deleted that. Let me see. How do we do this? Let's see. 
Yeah, it's not it's gonna take too long. Well, here is the Wayback Machine version of the breakdown of the information. The point was we just talked about the guy on the World Economic Forum that said on the record, you know, that we never had it in front of us. We never that's the thing. And and the point is you can show right here on their own information, the Chinese authorities shared genetic sequence January eleventh by January thirteenth. They had already made mRNA one two seven three, which is the same thing they're using today. Here's the CDC telling you they didn't isolate it at that time. And why has the data not been shared? No, they didn't isolate as a virus. That's the issue. Yeah, right on the record. It's funny how that works. But again, World Economic Forum, they just they openly said that. So back to the point. All they needed was this information. How do we know it was correct in the first place? But then a synthetic version of the gene is in, in, of interest is synthesized and inserted into the RNA platform. Right. So now you're now we're at a point where none of this stuff before even matters. So that why even do a safety test on a different isolate if you're not even using this? It's a, this is a sleight of hand game, guys. The RNA particle released from incubated production cells and are harvested and formulated into a customized injection. This is where we are. On that note, again, quick deviation for food. Just today, the White House had a entire a panel, I guess, or a simple, you know, think tank on what they titled the future of food. That's great, right? One thing I'll show you, and you can watch this for yourself. Here is what they were talking about. Here's a couple of interesting things over here on science and research. NIH, New Nutritional Institute of Nutrition, National Institute. So they're deciding what's healthy for you. I wonder if they're going to differentiate between all, you know, genetically altered completely lab-made meat. USDA, focus on the nexus of production, health, and sustainability. Public-private partnerships. Hooray! All this is what we all want, right? No, this is what they want. Framing this is what's best for everybody. ESG investor metrics for businesses. That means farms and everything else, too. They're forcing this stuff on everybody. Medically tailored meals. Produce prescription. Like, this is what they're talking about. They're deciding this. At the same time, New York now to track residents' food purchases and place, quote, cap on meat served by public institutions. Remember when this was a fake story 10 seconds ago? New York City will begin tracking the carbon footprint of household food consumption and putting caps on how much red meat can be served in public institutions as part of a sweeping initiative to achieve 33% reduction in carbon emissions by 2030 even though that makes no sense at all because we're completely misunderstanding what that even means. Not that we're not harming the planet, but if you think by reducing your carbon emissions, we're going to have any effect on the temperature, you are misunderstanding what we're talking. Rather, I think they knowingly are misinforming people for politics. But it doesn't even matter. If, I'm, if you think I'm wrong, fine. The point is why you think the government has the right to force people to take action like this. It's just wrong. Simple as that. And now they're going to be, and look, even how about this? Let's just say you don't think it's wrong. Why don't you realize this can get out of control? What happens if next they say, oh, well, now you can't have this thing. And what if you want that thing? What happens then? What if you don't agree with that thing? Too late now, you already allowed them to make these choices. Now they're going to start going forward and taking and dictating what you can do and eat and think. That's dangerous. This is where it's going. Well, we just uh, put up a great post on the Substack. Make sure you support us in the Substack. 
What is the difference between mRNA and mod RNA? Well, we did a whole bunch of work on this, broke this stuff down extensively. Make sure you watch this or, or check the recent work. The link to my show is right there. You can read it, research it. One thing I want to point out that Scott did that I think is really, really interesting. He asked chat GPT. Which good on him because I'm not going to get anywhere near that. I'm not going to touch that thing. I don't want to terms of service. This thing is a danger. This is a trap, guys. <laughs> That's what I've, I'm convinced of that. In any case, he asked, what's the difference between mRNA and mod RNA? Guess what it said? There is no difference. The term mRNA stands for messenger RNA, which is a type of RNA molecule that carries genetic information. Okay. Whereas trans, then it goes mod RNA is not a commonly used term and does not refer to a distinct type of RNA. Is it possible that's a typo? Guess what he said then? No. Mod RNA stands for modified RNA. mRNA stands. So he said that, and guess what they said? Oh, apologies for the confusion. You're correct. mRNA does stand for that, and mod RNA does stand for modified R. You've got to be kidding me. Are we pretending that Scott taught the AI something? And that it learned by him just stating that sentence. Obviously, that's not the case. It clearly knew this. And clearly, it's being directed to not say that. Tell me you see that. There's no other way to understand this. If that information was in its compute, in its processing, or whatever you want to say, that it knew that, and it was said no until he forced it to say it, then it came back and went, oh, I'm sorry, you're right. There is something being covered up here, and let me show you why I think that is. Now, he breaks down the different definitions and so on. The very quick understanding of this is realizing that mod RNA is modified messenger RNA. It is not natural. It is genetically modified versus mRNA, which stands for messenger RNA, which is a natural process. That, that weatherman who was acting like he knew more than us, was the, that's why he didn't understand because he thought it was mRNA, like a lot of them do. All these doctors that stand up and say it goes away in your body right away either don't know much about this or think it's mRNA. It's not. It's in their own documentation, which I show you right in the show. Pfizer's own documentation makes it very clear. BNT126B2, the one that is given to everybody, is mod RNA. That is the specific one that is. The other one wasn't. Oh, oh good. He actually included the picture. It's right there. So it says the BNT162 plot program and the mod RNA candidate, BNT162B2. Now, it's interesting that they chose to go with the one that was modified versus the one that wasn't. You want to know why? I'll show you. I, found, I looked into this today. First of all, let's start with this study from May 2021. It actually started when somebody shared this with me, which was the pseudouridines in RNAs. We'll come to that next, actually. Let's start with this one. So the, the pseudouridine is the overlap. Really, it is what, in part, is what is modifying the RNA. Now, it says the role of N1 methyl pseudouridine in COVID-19 vaccines. Now, in this one, we get into the idea of pseudouridine and how that was used to make these COVID-19 vaccines successful and how in that they very specifically talk about methyl pseudouridine. So just so it's clear, that does fall into the same category. So talking about this first, methyl pseudouridine in COVID-19 vaccines. It says, at the, a key aspect of COVID-19 mRNA injections is the use of the modified nucleobase N1 methyl pseudouridine, or this M1, that's this pseudouridine symbol, to increase their effectiveness. Okay, so the point is, 
And it, it'll literally say this as we go through the studies that when they were trying the first version, right? The one that he points at right here, or rather it doesn't say the number, but there, I think it was BNT162V1, the first one that wasn't modified. Well, it didn't work very well, or rather let's put it this way. None of them are working well or working at all. It had less scientifically e the, the efficacy, whatever you want to pretend they monitored to, to say things were effic efficacious when they seemingly aren't. The point is that one was found to be a certain level of efficacy, 48%, I think I remember. And then they said the mod one was like 98%. Remember all that lie? Or rather, it just didn't translate. Well, the reason was the modified thing is the reason they claimed it was more effective. Well, it turns out it also has a lot of other things along with it. Can you guess what those are? We're seeing it in the population. He says, we summarized the development and function of the, the N1-methyl pseudouridine in synthetic mRNAs. That was, the, that was the concept. Now, it's also clear why they're very trying very hard to not let people see this. And I believe it all overlaps. It overlaps with the nanotechnology conversation, lipid nanoparticles. Now, there's a huge part of the conversation that I put off today about specifically the, the self-assembling nanoparticles and the deep conversation about the history of that and ties with Lieber and Langer and the whole thing. But I'm going to do that in, in the, probably tomorrow and the next day. But to go forward on just this, messenger RNAs are used in every cell of our body, natural versions of it, where they serve the central re relay between the instructions of a genome and protein production. Synthetic mRNAs tap into the same natural process, but are designed to encode proteins with therapeutic effects. Okay, well, this is interesting because what we're really talking about here is not just the idea of mRNA giving you the instructions to produce a spike protein, but what it says is the natural process is designed to encode proteins with therapeutic effects. So take that protein and make it do things as opposed to just producing the protein, which causes your body to recognize it and deem it dangerous. This is the huge overlap with what we're talking about in regard to the Lieber-Langer conversation. Right, The idea of drug delivery, time release, and biosurveillance. That's what all of this is based in. All of it. Going back to 2011 and before, the lipid nanoparticle from Lieber's research, Langer and the biosense, bio uh, implantables to be able to monitor and, and relay information and then have the time-released relay. That is exactly what this is. So I'm not saying I can prove that is what you're in these injections, that these are some kind of secret time-release concept, but I can prove to you that was what the entire thing was based around. And then I'll go through all of this, and you can ask yourself how this is not the same thing, or at the very least, why they wouldn't talk about the mod part of it, and maybe this is exactly why, one of the reasons. It says, since synthetic mRNAs produce only a single component of the SARS-CoV-2 genome, they cannot cause COVID-19. Well, maybe you can argue that's the case, but the point we keep making is that they very quickly realized that regardless of whether it causes what we deem COVID-19, it in and of itself is dangerous. The Salk Institute, as well as others, very clearly found that th in this study itself proved that the spike protein alone was enough to cause disease. Right. Which means it causes symptoms, which means you can spread it. People can catch it. And they can likewise cause spread it and cause it's that is a problem. So how's that? How is that not a self-spreading concept? But what's interesting, going back to this, is they're saying, well, it's only the pro part of it. So it's not causing COVID-19. Well, I don't know about that. It is also important to note these vaccines are non-replicating mRNAs that naturally decompose and do not integrate into genomes. 
Well, that's not true either. We've already proven with peer-reviewed science that one, that they're very clearly continuing to populate or replicate. And on top of that, well, first we'll start with this one. Point is we've shown you early Pfizer discussions of specifically BNT, BN, uh, BNT62B12, the one that's being used and how that was literally labeled self-replicating on Pfizer's documentation. Very concerning to me. But on top of that, that we've even then proven with peer-reviewed science, the sustained synthesis of the spike protein. Very important. As well as neurotoxic DNA repair problems, or rather uh, this one, increased risk of other diseases, and on and on and on. The point, though, is that I think it is replicating, and on top of that, that it does integrate the genome. We saw the, one of the most important with the liver cell line and the transcription in the, into the genome. That's real information, peer-reviewed science, and they're just lying about it. So all of those are, so that makes me question about what this really is and if they're lying about the core point of it. But going forward, <clears throat> excuse me, oh, to the next one. So then we come to the study from 2021. Pseudouridines in RNAs. Switching atoms means shifting paradigms. The structure, stability, and function of various coding and non-coding RNAs are influenced by chemical modifications. Although many aspects of the underlying modification reactions remain unclear, that's important that I'll make clear in the next one too. It's very clear to me that they don't fully understand what these modifications could do. It says it right, it says plain as day in the next study. But they're giving it to you anyway, and that's one of the clear reasons why I think they don't want you to know it's mod versus mRNA. But it says, the advent of new transcriptome-wide methods to quantitatively detect pseudouridine sites has recently changed our perception of the functional roles and importance of pseudouridine. For instance, it is now clear, and don't forget, that's the core part of these COVID injections in regard to mod RNA they're using. It is now clear that the occurrence of the pseudouridine's appearance to be directly linked to the lifetime and translation efficacy of given mRNA molecule. That's interesting. Specifically, the pseudouridine in regard to modified RNA is linked to the lifetime and the translation efficacy of a given mRNA molecule. So if we're seeing these things continue to populate or rather continue to translate or how we're talking about not break down, this is, I think this is one of the reasons. Furthermore, the administration of the pseudouridine-containing mRNAs reduces innate immune responses. Now, that's supposed to be a good thing. We'll get into what they're talking about, that they argue that using the mRNA has a... It, 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 your immune system reacts strongly to that. But when they use the the modified versions, one of the arguments was the specifically the methyl pseudouridine modified RNAs, it has a much reduced immune response. But I'm also going to ask whether that means that it's in fact going further to reduce your immune response in general, which is what we're seeing. The dysregulation of your immune system, the, the collapsing of your immune system. But it says, which appears strikingly advantageous for the development of generations of mRNA vaccines. Interesting. Now, back the one point to this, or wait, no, oh, it's the next one, so keep going. It says next. The exact mechanism of the effect and influence on the therapeutic outcome of the mRNA with pseudouridines are not fully understood and might need to be adjusted to the specific application and targeted cell issue type, tissue type. Not fully understood. 
the exact mechanisms of the effect and influence on the therapeutic outcome of the mRNA with pseudouridines are not fully understood. Fantastic. We recently learned, and don't forget, my point in all of this is that these are these are the ones we're talking about. The critical contribution of pseudouridine to mRNA COVID injections. Stating as plain, plain as day that that's specific, and don't forget, that is the symbol for pseudouridine, that is specifically stating that we don't even fully understand what the therapeutic outcome will be. And what does that remind me of? If I could find it. What the FDA said on the record more in two different meetings about the fact that they don't fully understand these things. And then can you repeat the, the second question? I mean, obviously you have a lot of data now. What is your correlative protection is? Everybody's measuring antibodies. They're probably relevant, but as we know... That's a long question. We need a quick answer. I would say there is no established correlate of protection. Thank you. That was a quick answer. Dr. Finn, how should we think of micrograms in terms of the amount of spike protein that's produced by the cells? Can you kind of clarify that? Obviously, we don't have a complete understanding of the nature of the way that the vaccine works in terms of producing immune response. Obviously, we don't have a complete understanding of the nature of the way that the vaccine works in terms of producing immune response. That's exactly what we're talking about. Now that makes far more sense. They don't, they cannot associate, so we see a reaction and we claim that reaction translates into an antibody response, but we can't prove that connection. And then alternatively, they say, well, we don't fully understand how it works. Here is what we're looking at. The exact mechanism and the effect and influence on the therapeutic outcome. So immune response is not fully understood. I guess their best argument is we were in an emergency and so we had to rush the rush. Whatever. There, there, this is nothing but lies. We recently learned, it says, that an mRNA vaccine candidate for SARS-CoV-2 that did not use modified RNA bases showed strongly reduced efficacy. This is what we were just talking about. This is the other version, the BNT6B1. BNT I'm saying it wrong, but the other, not the, not the main one that was used. Just to go back here so I can say it. So BNT162B1 was not modified, but BNT162B2, the one that's broadly given, is. And they're telling you the reason they did that is because without modifying it, well, it had a very low effect. And it says, and did not meet the prescribed statistical success criteria in avoiding the associated disease. So they increased it. Or excuse me, but they, they modified it. And at the same time, increased the lipid nanoparticles, which is the whole part we're going to get into next. And they claim this was a success. I argue simply because they got a response they were looking for. I don't even feel like they even cared about what the potential side effects were. Now, here's the most important one. This is from 2021, from November. The critical con- contribution of pseudouridine to mRNA COVID vaccines. It says two novel vaccine platforms, platforms, based on mRNA technology, were developed in 2020 by Pfizer Biotech and Moderna Therapeutics. Odd how they just did the same thing at the same time, right? And of course, they say Comirnaty and Spike Facts, respectively, even though we're not even talking about those. We're talking about the emergency authorized. But it says, and we're the first ones presenting efficacies higher than 90%, which they lied about. We've proven that. As always, this one's important to to make sure people see. Serious adverse events of special interest following mRNA COVID vaccinations. 
bottom line. This is phase three data, secondary analysis of phase three data from both Pfizer and Moderna. And they found exactly what you'd expect. Specifically, Pfizer was the worst. Pfizer trial exhibited 36% higher risk of serious adverse events, death, hospitalization, serious or uh, permanent disability in the vaccine compared to not to unvaccinated or rather the control group. They lied to us. That's what that shows you. They lied. And yet they still pretend Ian Copeland still says there's no evidence of the, yeah, it's all the evidence you mindless fool. But here we are. 90% lie, but it says both consisted of N1 methyl pseudouridine modified MRNA encoding the SARS-CoV, the SARS-CoV-19 spike protein and were delivered with the lipid nanoparticle formulation. Okay, right there. Okay, so we, it's all included. So now we can see that it's N1-methyl-pseudouridine-modified mRNA. So we just talked about that. We just went over what that was and what the risk or what the, the concern, or rather the lack of understanding of how it works, what it can ultimately do, and then the overlap with the lipid nanoparticle, all of which, and this is the point to make, especially when we get into the, the nano, the lipid nanoparticle like carrier discussion, is that every single aspect of this was completely untested, experimental. We're doing things that have never been done before and rather combining multiple versions of things and acting like we know what's happening when you can prove they just said we don't even have, know exactly how this is working. The success of lipid nanoparticles was quickly hailed by many as the unsung hero of COVID-19 vaccines. Well, that's exactly the point is this was Charles Lieber. This was the success. They, they got the, his work of the, the virus-sized transistors in 2011 to succeed, where they coated a hairpin nanowire with a fatty lipid layer in order not to hurt the cell. This overlaps with all the technology we're talking about. The Langer aspect is who Langer, Robert Langer, applied that with the founding of Moderna. And you can see how all this connects. And the point is that I'm worried something else is going on based on all the research they have, which I'll go into much more, much deeper tomorrow. But it says CVNCOV, the other version of this, this is the CureVac mRNA vaccine, consisted of an unmodified mRNA encoding the same spike protein as Moderna and Pfizer and was formulated with the same lipid nanoparticle as Pfizer Biotech's vaccine. However, its efficacy was 48%. This striking difference in efficacy could be attributed to the presence of critical RNA modification, specifically methyl pseudouridine, in the Pfizer Biotech Moderna mRNA vaccines, but not in this one. So the point was, when we added the things, even though we're not sure how they exactly work, it increased the number we thought we were looking for. Oh, I thought there was something else in this one. Guess not. So we're going forward here. Let me close a couple of things real quick. That was it. Okay. So one point I want to make on this thing, Josh uh, Gutzkow pointed out, which is really interesting to me. And then we'll get into specifically the lipid nanoparticle overlap in the nanocarrier discussion. But he says, was the Pfizer biotech vaccine clinical trial a bait and switch? He says, well, there was over 44,000 people in the trial, but apparently only 250 of them were given doses made with the new manufacturing method, phase process two, that was used to make enough doses to sell around the world. Well, here's what I think they're talking about. He says the scale of BNT162B2 manufacturing has been increased to support future supply. It says the, B, the BNT126B2 generated using 
the manufacturing process supporting an increased supply in parentheses process two will be administered to approximately 250 participants, 16 to 55 years old. I think they're talking about the difference between, this is my opinion, the modified versus unmodified. But it says in brief, the process changes relate relate to the method of production for the DNA template that RNA drug substance is transcribed from and the RNA drug substance purification method. The BN2162B2 drug product is then processed using a scaled up lipid nanoparticle manufacturing process. Now he says, to our knowledge, the safety and efficacy comparison they plan to do with those 250 people has never been published and has not been released in the FOIA document requests. Was the comparison ever done? Where are the results? He says that him and uh, Retsif Levy, and I explored the importance of this comparison and the potential impact of variability in the production process of the injections and safety. You can read that for yourself. He says, keep in mind that one of the major changes in this new production process was using bacterial cDNA to upscale production of mRNA. And it's the uh, McKernan's analysis of the vaccine vials found unacceptably high levels of leftover bacterial DNA. Now he says in Pfizer's six month report to the FDA doesn't include the process two comparison, but it does show a significantly higher serious adverse event rate in placebo subjects after they were given the vaccine compared to the original vaccine group as expected. Why was it as expected? We know from FOIA documents that about 70% of the trial sites received new batches with distinct Pfizer lot numbers after November 19th. Were these intended for crossover placebo subjects? Were they different from those doses given? It's a lot of questions. But the point is that how is it possible they're screaming, this is everything safe and effective, but this half the stuff we don't even know. In addition, a recent Danish study found significant variability in the rate of serious adverse events across 52 different laws. Taken together, evidence from trial documents and existing research underscores the need for better understanding of potential impacts of variability with the production processes of these injections. He forgot to add that two, two process two, the two process two lots sent to eight trial sites were also given to the public. So these are given out, even though we apparently were only tested on 250 people. He says this threat is also highly relevant to manufacturing standards, which we've talked about before. And then says somebody asked if the study was the process two comparison trial. Uh, this one wasn't was going to get into in, in case it isn't clear the two production processes were radically different and yielded were radically different and yielded different quality products you can't just test it on 250 people and say it's all the same they could not be assumed to be biosimilar like name brand and generic but even those we know are different code on optimization and lots of different points but ultimately i think what we're talking about at least in one part is the the overall discussion we just had so here is where we get into the specifically lipid nanoparticle part of this, where which opens another discussion into why this is concerning. Oh, actually, you know what I did? I think I did add this ultimately. So we are going to talk about the nanoparticle carrier, but not. there's a lot more we were going to get into that overlaps with Lieber and Langer. We'll leave that for another day. Thank you to Anesia for pointing this out for me. This person says, remember when... Remember the heavy spraying before COVID? Now, I don't know if we can prove that there was more or less. A lot of that's perception, but I do agree that there's been a dramatic increase in overall geoengineering, for sure. And I've talked about smart dust and all those concerns. He says lipid nanoparticles, nanocarriers, as vaccine technology that can deliver a toxin. And he's right. And this is what it says right in their own patent. And this comes directly from the work that Robert Langer was working on. That's his patent along with other people from and with Harvard College as well. This is 
Charles Lieber's work research, along with Robert Langer's overlap, being applied for vaccine technology, nanotechnology. Now, this is in 2015. Or excuse me, the looks like the grant is ongoing from 2017 into 2028. So clearly this is ongoing. The present invention provides compositions and systems for delivery of nanocarriers to cells of the immune system. The invention provides vaccine nanocarriers capable of stimulating an immune response in T cells or B cells in some embodiments comprising at least one immuno, uh, immunodulatory agent and optionally comprising at least one targeting moiety and optionally at least one immunostimulatory agent. Now, what's interesting to me is this focus was seeming to that's none of what's happening with these. It's all antibody response and no actual immunity, like especially we're talking about mucosal, but it's a different conversation. Ultimately, this is just what they present. For me, what it gets concerning is the actual patent and what it says in these things. 2017, same point. You can see his name, Robert Langer, right there. Here's the first thing that stands out, and this is what he pointed out in his tweet. Now, this is under the category of, uh, let's do this. Oh, never mind. This is just the image I forgot. 71 here under the category of specifically under vaccine technology, but then this whole thing is under background of the invention. So this gets into all the stuff that they've worked on. Now, again, to be clear, this does not mean that what this is being currently used for is exactly this, but what it does mean without question is that this technology was designed to be possibly used as a weapon. The, the exact thing that you're using in your in your body, if you were stupid enough to take this or fool, tricked enough to take it, however you want to look at it, is potentially a weapon, is potentially all the things we're going to show you. And this is the statement of the U.S. government in support of this product. Here's the first part. In some embodiments, so in one way this could be used, the small molecule is a toxin. In some embodiments, the toxin is from a chemical weapon an agent of a biowarfare or hazardous environmental agent. There's no misunderstanding that. Here's the point. This is patent. MIT, Harvard, Robert Langer, and specifically for vaccine technology, same, same patent, vaccine nanotechnology. And then we're looking at them literally outlining how this exact vaccine nanotechnology, you know, could also be a dangerous bioweapon. This was in 2017. Isn't it funny how they say that's not even real? Alternatively, they don't think we're going to read this. Here's something else. One important aspect of the invention is that the nanocarriers, lipid nanoparticles being one version of that, can be controlled in terms of size, density of agent, degree, and location of targeting, degradation, release of agent. This is the core point of this work, and then as well as biosurveillance and the whole brain-machine interface and nanowires and this whole thing. But the point is, they're telling you right there that it, whether that's what's being used now, that it's designed to potentially be able to degradate and release, time-release, anything. Drugs, weapons. Why doesn't that matter to people? Here's another point. In particular... Below are described immune modulating preparations, synthetic nanocarrier components of such preparations, specific and preferred nanocarriers, specific and preferred immunomodulatory, immunostimulatory, and targeting agents 
component parts of building blocks of nanocarriers of the invention, as well as methods for manufacturing such nanocarriers, including a preferred method involving self-assembled nanocarriers. Now, I'll point out something into this. Actually, since we're... Hold on. Let me do this. We've ta- we're, we will get into this in the reality of what this aligns with. Self-assembled RNA nanocarriers and what these things mean in regard... In, 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 it, it includes potential carbon nanomaterials, which is exactly what you think it is, or can be, intravenously administered, right? In- injections, right? And the point, the packaging RNA through self-assembling technology into a dimer, trimmer, hexamer, all these things in a, con- a concise RNA structure, right? That's These are, where were they? I think I closed it, actually. <laughs> I have all these open for before. Well, in any case, the dimer, oh, this right here? Yeah, right here. Den dimers, these are what you think, what we talked about before. These three-dimensional macro-molecular structures, like, like these things here. I guess I'm just going to get into it, I guess. But so like the, we've talked about these MIT self-assembling origami robots. Now they can be different, right? We can talk about self-assembling and we can, it could be something that's like a lipid nanoparticle concept. That's not what, that's not what they're telling us is in these. They're not calling this self-assembling technology, but understand that it can be what they are telling us is that that's what this can be. And, that, and this is, I just think that's really important to understand. In some embodiments, the nanocarrier targets one or more secondary lymphoid tissues or organs. So this is what we're being told about this could be. Lymph nodes, spleen. Remember that? Two of the locations where the lipid nanoparticle concentration was the highest. Is that, unte- is that intentional or being targeted? Real questions. Lastly, a nanocarrier can be, but is not limited to, one or a plurality of lipid-based nanoparticles. So just realize exactly what they just described can be done through lipid nanoparticles. Or it could just be a, a fatty layer, like they're wanting you to think. But realize that this is all the same conversation, the same technology, and it all ties together. Metallic nanoparticles are possible within this conversation, or nanoparticles that are developed using combination of nanomaterials such as lipid polymer nanoparticles. The problem, though, is, as it says, that polymers were dangerous and hurt people. In some embodiments, polymer or polyethylene glycol, which seems to be everywhere. In some embodiments, the nanocarriers form by self-assembly. So that can be the case, predictably and reproducibly. Nanocarriers are formed using amphilophilic biomaterials which orient themselves with respect to one another to form nanocarriers of predictable dimension, uh, constituents, and placement of constituents. Immunomodulatory agents, immunostimulatory agents. We we just went over mentioning those. I think that was it on that. Make sure. So, the point, nanoscale self-assembly for therapeutic delivery. This is 2020. Right in the beginning of all this. It's weird how the ones they're doing now don't even mention self-assembly. It's odd, though, that that's overlapped, right? 
Here's what it says. Self-assembly is, is the process of association of individual units of a material into highly arranged ordered structures or patterns. It imparts unique properties to both inorganic and organic structures. So lipid nanoparticles. So generated via non-covalent interactions. Currently, self-assembled nanomaterials are finding a wide variety of applications in an area of nanotechnology, imaging techniques, biosensors, biomedical sensors. Exactly. It's exactly my point. Not according to the average person. Recent advancements in the area of drug delivery. It says the organization of molecules in these nano assemblies has made it possible to design and develop new devices that can interact with the living cells and generate the response. Synthetic molecules like amino acids, aglio and polypeptides, polymers, dendimers, which we just pointed out, and conjugated compounds have been considered as the primary focus used for building up nanostructures such as nanotubes, nanofibers, and uh, micellus uh, and vesicles. Micellus, micellus. Likewise, DNA-based nanomaterials have shown their potential in diagnostic and therapeutic deliveries, right? He was just pointing out this, this discussion of the cDNA point. It says self-assembly involving large building units can also be responsive to one or the other external stimuli, gravity, magnetic field, flow, electronic field, surrounding media. And most importantly, drug delivery. Controlled drug delivery has shown enhanced bioavailability of the therapeutic by avoiding their untimely degradation and improving their uptake. That's not even in the conversation for what we're telling us. This isn't supposed to be something that's releasing anything other than instructions. But apparently it can do exactly this. Maintaining the therapeutic dose of a drug by controlling the kinetic, the kinetics of drug release and, in re and reducing toxicity by targeting to desired sites and tissues. None of this is on the table for this conversation, but this is the exact point, the exact technology that we're talking about. Particle, this is na nanoparticles as therapeutic delivery systems and advantages, it says. Particle size and surface properties of nanoparticles are amenable to manipulation to achieve drug targeting. Nanoparticles possess large surface to mass ratio, hence they can bind, absorb, and carry large amounts of drug molecules. Nanoparticles can easily control the drug release during the process of uptake and internalization, as well as the intended site, which helps in reducing side effects, toxicity of the drug. Doesn't seem to be what's happening. The rate of release of the drug, as well as the degradation of the carrier, can be manipulated. Site-specific targeting can be achieved. Nanoparticles can be delivered via different pathways, like uh, uh, parent, parent, parental, parenternal, intraocular, intravenous, oral, nasal. Exactly. Smart dust, nanoparticle kind of stuff is everywhere. And this, and the next part, I think. There's two parts that are going to finish with are important. Polyethylene glycol, of course. PEG helps in increasing the dispersibility of the attached molecules. Who cares if it's hurt, harmful or has properties we don't want? It makes it work better. PEG-based carriers for drug delivery, such as micellus, nanoparticles, dend dendromers, and liposomes. So the point is, this is exactly as we know what we're talking about. Now, the dendromers was the this one, little those little machine-type folding ideas. As it says, the size and surface change 
charge on then dreamers, then dreamers vary with the number of generations during synthesis because the presence of the large number of these, the uh, a large number of them, the Pam Am Den Dreamers act not only as proteins, proton, proton sponges in gene delivery application, but also with carbon skeleton and have been used as drug carriers simultaneously. That just these are just included points that I think were interesting. The main part of this for me is the lipid nanoparticle part. One more on this. It says DNA nanotechnology involves assembly of synthetic DNA fragments into self-assembled nanostructures of different sizes, shapes, and morphology. The basic principle behind DNA nanotechnology is the complementary base pairing. The self-assembled DNA nanostructures have been used in various biomedical applications, such as drug delivery, gene delivery, biosensing. Stuff's scary, man. So here, here we go. Uh, this is, I think, the main point. I'm just going to cut to the chase. Yeah, this was it right here. Often I include stuff in between and it lose, I, the point gets lost, but nanotechnology has significantly contributed toward the realization and targeted and controlled delivery of therapeutics. That is the whole point, even though we're not being told that's what's happening, if that's what's happening in these, in these injections. Certain materials have been claimed to exhibit, well, I guess you can make an argument that the you know delivery of the instructions, but it's not a controlled release, is it? But it says the biocompatibility of the other but um, certain materials have been claimed to exhibit biocompatibility, but the others that have been developed and are being used showing toxicity and hence proved inappropriate for in vivo applications. For example, cationic lipid-based nanostructures are found to activate the immune system. So that's the opposite of what we're wanting, right? We don't want, so we, we, all they wanted was the, the mRNA instructions to make the spike protein and have your body react to that. That's why they ended up going with the modified RNA because it had a reduced effect of your immune system. We just read that, right? Okay, so they, what they just said is, well, certain materials exhibit biocompatibility, but others have been developed that are used showing toxicity and hence proved inappropriate. For example, catatonic, uh, cationic lipid-based nanostructures. So that means that's to toxic and inappropriate. Can you guess what they're using in the injections? The core of lipid nanoparticles for the COVID injections contains mRNA and ionized cationic lipid. It's funny how easy this is. Okay, well, so if they're telling, okay, that's inappropriate and toxic. In 2020, when they weren't talking about what they were going to do, now they just went with that one. Remember how I keep telling you that the conversation was that they increased lipid nanoparticle concentration? And that was the way they got it to succeed. But nobody asked why they didn't hurt. They are hurting people. There's one of the reasons why. They used seemingly the one lipid nanoparticle that they designated as being toxic and inappropriate for in-body applications. But they used it anyway, apparently. It says they're also associated with some technical issues such as stability, reproduct, breed reproducibility, low drug loading, encapsulation, and uncontrolled drug leaching problems. That's what we're talking about with the cationic lipid-based nanostructures. So ask yourself why they used it. Polymerc systems were then developed and evaluated, but they were also associated with similar types of limitations. Similarly, natural polymers elicited unwanted immune reactions. So they didn't use them. So they went with the thing that also causes unwanted immune reception. Perfect. Promising potential to be used as future candidates for applications. Drug, it's all about the same point. Imaging, sensing, bioelectrics, production of biomaterials, transhumanist overlaps, 
Although self-assembly results in the generation of various types of structures, such as nanotubes, nanoparticles, nanospheres, nanotapes, nanofibers, nanogels, all the stuff we've been telling you about, control the size of these structures during processing. Their behavior under aqueous environment, degree of loading, entrapment, and therapeutics and stability, as well as upscaling, are still the gray areas which where sincere attention of the researchers is required. Besides studies to establish the biocompatibility and immunogenicity of these nanostructures are lacking. But they did them anyway. This is 2020. They were already making these shots when this is written. Ask yourself what, why they didn't care about any of this. Because it was all an experiment. Every single aspect of this was barely tested. In some cases, clearly not safe. And they used them anyway. Lipid mRNA lipid nanoparticle COVID-19 vaccine structure and stability May 2021. Again, cationic lipid. That is what is used, the core of it. It's all you need to see. We've been lied to. Or rather, we've been state, they've showed us these things, and nobody's looking at the science backing behind it, or not anybody in the mainstream circles. All this was stuff I guess I wasn't gonna get into, but <laughs> I was gonna define this word for you, which included hydrocarbon chains what these are in the same points. You know, the point is that these there's, there's an interesting overlap with the conversation of carbon nanomaterials and whether that's possible. So the idea of the graphene oxide, all these different points, I mean, it's fair to bring these things up. In any case, there's an obvious overlap with the research we're talking about with Charles Lieber and what they were working on, virus-sized transistors that when the size of biology, or rather when the size, when they're that small, they act like living organisms. We, we don't know any different. Man-made structures, well, they behave like biology. It's like science fiction. It's what the, it's in 2011. Robert Langer, 2015, literally talking about the same implantable devices in regard to delivering implantable like drug releases inside the body. It's what they're currently working on. Oh, and Bill and Melinda Gates stepping in going, hey, that's a good idea. And then he was the founder for Moderna. And don't forget, oh, actually, there was a there was something somewhere in one of these that said microRNAs that I was going to use just to point that out. I think it's this one. In any case, in this same conversation, they're talking about microRNAs, and that's part of this conversation that I think we're going to get into in the future. Yeah, whatever. It's in there somewhere. And the point was, don't forget, Elon Musk, Tesla's RNA vaccine printer for CureVac is going to be an important product for the world. Why? Well, because they are making RNA microfactories. And the point is, that all of this is connected, guys, and all of it's overlapped. And remember, CureVac was the one we just talked about, which is the other one overlapped with the conversation of the all the technology we just went into. Tesla's vaccine, RNA microfactories. Bottom line is there's so much, to, it's so easy to see in all of this, guys, and the information is so very clear. All of it's there for you to check out. Please get this in front of other people. There's just so much to get into. And there's so much obvious information. The, I mean, from the monkeypox and get people, the, I mean, at what point do we stop and just go, not only are they not working, well, rather, they're not, that it's not that they're not working, but rather that they are directly lying to us about what they're supposed to accomplish. In fact, what they're doing is exactly what they're supposed to do and what that might mean. But even if you don't think that, just stand back and look at all the information and realize there's a lot more going on here. Excuse me. <clears throat> The technological angle, where this is going, the nanotechnology, the biosensors, all of this is what it's really about, in my opinion. 
one of the main parts. I mean, we could also talk about all the other things that could be, you know, the, the multifaceted agendas, but just by the way this looks and the obvious reality of what they chose to do, every step seems to line up for me right now. And all of it's leading in the same direction, which then connects to the Great Reset, transhumanism. I've been fighting hiccups the whole time. I'm sure you can tell. But thank you for being here, tuning in for another long show. All this information, I'm sure half of it gets buried because nobody can keep up. I get it, man. I, I understand it. People are telling me to watch other long shows and I'm thinking, I, how do I do that? I don't have time and I get it. The point is though, if it was important enough to me, I'd make time. And I do. In fact, I watch long shows all the time. Sometimes it's just hard to get into all of it. There's a lot of excellent independent media out there that I, I have a hard time getting into all of it and watching them all, even though I would love to. But hopefully you are taking the time to read the source material more so than just watch a bunch of people talking about it. You know, I would rather you just look through the information below and read it for yourself than watch this if that's all you could do. But thank you for tuning in. And if you want to support this platform, there's a lot of ways you can do so from our Substack to our direct donations on the website, which by the way, I can just show you really quickly. You guys can see that for yourselves and see the different ways on the website itself that you can donate because we do need your support because we're making some big moves, which again, I keep telling you, you're going to hear more about. We're going to get into this. We're going to, what my, my goal is to bring this to the next level, whatever that ultimately means. And with the same kind of, with the exact same amount of freedom, no influence of content, no influence of editorial choices, just somebody who wants to support what we're doing, you know, and maybe that'll end up being this whole thing is brought to you by something we believe in. I don't know. It's not ultimately my main point is to keep this going to where we can continue to spread the information so you guys can think for yourselves. Bottom line, you can support us up here, donating from the direct platform. Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, Subscribestar, Cash App, buy some shirts from us. Oh, I, by the way, I got to put up the other shirt one up there. We got the new shirts of the absolutist free speech shirts. Anyway, anything you do to support us, guys, most importantly, share the content over anything else. Share the content. Thank you for tuning in today, guys. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Well, so you believe that the COVID vaccine is not necessary? I think it's downright dangerous. And I warn you, if you go along these lines, you are going to go to your doom.